Hi guys, this is Doug Wagner. I'm the writer of Plastic and Vinyl, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. I see nothing wrong with that one. Oh, okay. Yes, let, let us just All right. let's go with it. Let's run with it. You got it. Seems odd to have a, a third person this week. Oh my God! Well, it's, 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 his, it's his monthly appearance. We're good. We're yeah. gonna get the book of the month. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> Punching yeah. that clock, yo! <laughs> I gotta go to work today. <laughs> hey now, time for us. It's so sweet. Listen, I'm a man of leisure. I can't <laughs> exactly. help it if my I can't help it if my family wants to go on vacations. I mean, who am I? Oh, not blame that. the family, right? Mm-hmm. Blame the Kennedys. They're the ones that got us to go to Ocean oh, City. Here we go. Hey, everybody. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 866. And I'm Vince B. Oh, you are, my boy Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed. And I, of course, am Sigmund, and y'all be them sea monsters. Wow. Damn. Why? Why not? Uh, true, but was there anything relevant that happened uh, recently or nope. did jerry die or redhead kid yeah nah, man yeah. like when i a lot of times when i come up with the thing i just clear my mind and try and let some of them random pop in there and nice then marty was... croft said marty croft popped in my head for some reason and i thought oh, okay nothing wrong with that i loved that show back in the day yep. and yeah. i and the bugaloos mm. lando lost <laughs> yeah the bugaloos <laughs> Bill is Biller. Uh, yeah, well, no, that's not. Right. <laughs> but um, in Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, uh, he had an ecology wagon. Remember that? He used to drag around that ecology wagon, and I didn't have a wagon or wheels, so I had a freaking busted out pallet, and I wrote e- <laughs> ecology wagon on the side of it, and I would drag a freaking pallet around with me. <laughs> You're adorable. <laughs> the first sign of men- mental illness at such a young age. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and and but, you know that show stopped because they had a fire. It burnt, burnt everything away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. And you don't have mental illness because you know where to go, <laughs> where the prices are super low on omnibus editions, collected editions, Manga, everything. If it has a spine, you can find it at CheapGraphicNovels.com. Yep, CheapGraphicNovels.com. Everything much lower than you're going to get at Amazon. It's really crazy because uh, they've become my first stop now. Because whenever um, something is, it pops up in the previews. Love the local guy, not dependable for second and third tier publisher collected editions. Just it's just a fact, right? So I have to resort to other means, and that other means is always cheapgraphicnovels.com because they have it less than Amazon. Like I don't want to pay too much for this muffler, and I don't have to because I know that they'll have it for much less. Anyway, what you're going to do is you're going to place an order, and you're going to save. And after you're done smiling, ding, for the savings, you're going to get an email message saying, hey, Thank you for ordering through us, CheapGraphicNovels.com. What you're going to do is you're going to reply to that email message saying, you know what, I heard about you on 11 O'Clock Comics, 
and they're going to say, well, pat, pat, they're patting you on the head digitally. You are going to receive free shipping on your next order. That's crazy. Free shipping is ridiculous. It's a significant savings. Mm -hmm. So go to CheapGraphicNovels.com. I bet you come back with a boatload. Facts. Hashtag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's C CGN, baby. That's what it is in my bookmarks bar. It's called Should CGN. Be. Yeah. Because yep. I don't want to take up a whole freaking... Damn right. Right. I always abbreviate everything. I know what it is. There's the icons right there. I'm drinking. Oh, do tell. Yes. I have um, a trifecta of, of beer. The first one is from uh, Yards Brewing Company. They're out of Philly. It's called High Dive Summer Pilsner. Okay. Then I have, again, from Yards Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. It, it's really cool because the can is styled in the old Donkey Kong with the, the original Donkey Kong. With so the, it's on, just like Donkey Kong. It is, um, with the you know the the um, angled green um, step tier things. You know what I mean, the, and the red ladders. So it looks just like Donkey Kong, and uh, it's called Level Up appropriately, but it is a tropical IPA. And then bringing up the rear is the hi is the Voodoo Ranger, and that's New Belgium. And this is called Fruit Force. Fruit Punch. Sounds right up your alley. Oh, (laughs) dead center. It's in the strike zone. Yeah. I had enough of it. I love it. There we go. So I'm drinking. Nice. What are you drinking, Ben? Drinking uh, seltzer. (laughs) Mandarin orange. Stanley created a character before he died based on Jason called Mr. Excito. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Did someone in the bullpen create it? And then Stan. Well, no, they didn't want to sink that deep. So they're just like, ah, he's going to die. Let, yeah, him, let him have the, it. Let him have one. Sorry, I'm on the come down from seeing the Meg 2 last night. Facetious? Because it looks like ridiculous. Oh, no, we went to see it last night. Being serious. It's a horrible movie, but it was entertaining. <laughs> well, that's what I like, kind of like Sharknado. Yeah, I mean, I, I expected it to be a horrible movie. Right. Yeah. Those, the those first movies... one was ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, I just finished um, from Aspire Brewing all the way in Middletown, New York, which is kind of kind of almost the middle between uh, Vince and me. But this is uh, this is Widman. W-I-D-M-E-N, German-style Pilsner. It's uh, 5.5 alcohol by volume. It is really, really good. I'm not, I mean, you guys know my taste on beer. I'm not big on beer, but this, I'm glad I got this. I'm going definitely to get another uh, four-pack once it's gone. I'm not surprised you like the Pilsners. Yeah, yeah, the Pilsners, the Pale Ales, the the Well, it doesn't have a a bite like an IPA. Like that, right. that that hoppy aftertaste that that you know blankets your tongue when you got to do that. <laughs> Pilsners <laughs> Pilsners don't have it. So. Uh, but but uh, actually, from the same brewery, uh, Arnie did grab one of their IPAs. 
Because he knows good beer. So Sure he does. Yeah. And tank tops. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Let, yeah. Let's talk about the comics. Is why we're here. <laughs> what do we get? I'm all over the map this week. You are. Nice. No, I love. I love your list this week. It's your nice. stuff. Yeah. It's just. And there's a lot of stuff that I didn't put on there that you know. If you guys talk about it, maybe mayhap. Mm. I've read it. So well, mayhap. Yeah. Mayhap. Well, Jason, like this is usually your slot. It is. Oh, are we, we're that structured, are we? No, but you usually launch, you know, this is how it works. Um, sorry you missed Tony last week. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, it seems Did you like listen? Tony only... Did you listen? No. To him? Mm. no. He was, he was a happy, happy Should man. Have? No, yeah. we, we had fun. We, we talked mostly about him. For, uh, yeah, so his books, both of which were excellent. Did he send you the uh, review copies? Yeah, his email told us. Yeah, oh. so there you go. Nice, um, dude. I have I have an Abrams Orama. How is that possible? Right. Well, there's one book that you and I both read that we could talk about, but yeah. but uh, the other Abrams book that I have, very timely um, because there's a little pop culture craze going on right now. You may have heard of it. It's called Barbenheimer. Hmm. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. You've heard of it, it right? Though. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, me too. Um, I have not signed. I have not partaken yet. I've not seen either film. Um, it, it, it's Barbie and Oppenheimer, but um, a lot of people are getting educated on the development of the atomic bomb thanks to Oppenheimer. And many months ago, I happened to order from Abrams a book that is um, about the very same thing. It's called the bomb, as in Udabomb. The Bomb, The Weapon That Changed the World. It's uh, by Didier Alcant, L.F. Boulet, and Denise Roger. Yes, they are French. People couldn't gather that. This was a French bande dessinée that was uh, done in 2020 and then brought here lovingly uh, by Abrams and translated into the English this year. A beautiful uh, hardcover. It is nearly 500 pages, and it is... An incredibly comprehensive graphic novel adaptation of the history of the atomic bomb. And this isn't just about the Manhattan Projects, although that is a key part of it, as you might imagine. It goes all the way back to um, the earliest uses of uranium. In fact, the first narrator of the book is, is uranium, talking about um, sort of a meta, a meta narrator about people discovering it and what it's going to be used for. But um, But it goes through the whole, like, early war efforts and the scientists, some of the, some of the Nobel laureates that had gotten excited about the possibility of, of, of fission and what that would mean and how dangerous it might be. So forth, so on, how they would be able to extract the different types of uranium from the more common type of uranium and how expensive it would be and where you could find it. And it just goes all through like the mining operations and how the U S procured the uranium and how all the different scientists sort of pairing up and then how, uh, you know, Fermi and his crew convinced everybody to stop sharing information with German scientists. It just goes all through like and there's all these parallel stories running. There's there's a story about Japan's role and and uh, and they're getting pulled into the war effort and and the kamikazes and Pearl Harbor. And it, it spans probably like like I said, it starts way back conceptually. But but the 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 main chunk of the book probably takes place from like 
1936, 37, all the way through us dropping the bomb. Uh, that's that's how the book ends. Spoilers. Um, hmm. um, but um, the fascinating thing about this book, and I'm sure we've talked about this in the past, but I don't remember the last time we did. Um, and this isn't limited to comics, but I'm sure we've all been around long enough. Can you think of times where you have experienced something and you fully recognize that it is an incredibly well done thing, but it just doesn't connect with you? Yes. Yeah. Right. Like, and it could be, yeah. it could be TV, music, movies, whatever. That's what this was for me. Like it was incredibly well done and it's got a list of awards. Like it won at Angoulême, all these, other, it's just, you know, it cleaned up in Europe on the, the award circuit. It's a very incredibly well done book. The art is excellent because I mean, the, there's a lot of likenesses. I, I couldn't really tell you honestly if the likenesses are how, how accurate they are. Um, but like the few that I did know, you know, like like uh, Einstein. I mean, obviously the, the, the looked looked good there. But one of the things that can happen with a with a, a bio or historical comic right is it can get pretty dry because they're just recounting history and it's a lot of people. Especially in this case, it's a lot of people talking. But to their credit, they're they're very interesting panel layouts that play with the science and the war efforts and stuff. So so it is definitely visually interesting. It's it doesn't get boring in that way. But Reddit thought it was incredibly well done a very detailed comprehensive account of the whole journey through it but i just didn't really care like i didn't connect with it because maybe because i was a child of the 80s and we grew up in the uh you know we grew up in the nuclear arms race so we were just inundated with with the history of the nuclear weapons and 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 how they were going to eradicate the earth and mutual assured destruction and all that i just don't care like i just don't hold any it's why I haven't really been interested in seeing Oppenheimer, even though I'm sure it's a great movie. I, I just, I don't like, it just doesn't, it doesn't really resonate with me. You know, like I accept the importance of the history and I can recognize that this is a very well done accounting of it. And I think they use the medium well, but just, I, I it just didn't, you know, it didn't yeah. really hit me. You no, know? I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a testament to your, uh, uh, levels of perception that you could tell something is very well done and uh, aesthetically on you know on point but it may not be speaking your dialect right so yeah. I, I don't think that's a something to i mean i know you don't feel guilt but i i don't think that's something to walk away from the book thinking mm, man yeah you know it's it's not yeah. you it's, everything is not tuned to our specific yeah. sensibilities and I probably, I mean, I pre-ordered this. I don't even remember, probably because it was Abrams. And I'm like, oh, this could be interesting. And then I, I, I was conscious of the fact that I was reading at that. If it wasn't for Oppenheimer being front and center in the culture right now, I probably mm-hmm. would just let this collect dust in one of my piles and then give it away. <laughs> like, I, like, I would have been like, oh, I'm not going to read that. Like, it's, it's about the atomic war. Like, bomb, I, right. I, I don't I know all about it. But, um, yeah, but but like I said, um, there. but if, if any of our, if our, patreon slack crew listen to this and they're particularly interested in uh this this part of history um just hit me up first one to hit me up i will mail it to you oh isn't that nice uh, dap and i were uh speaking on something similar to this topic on the on the lead-in 
And it was actually yeah. it was actually instigated by your uh, your new Skype avatar. Do I have a new Skype avatar? It's yeah, self freeze Domino. Yeah. Oh, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, and I'm like, that's that's just wrong. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel um, correct to me because you've changed the Matt Kent one. And that I mean, you should see that every don't do it. Kent don't. Avengers. Oh yeah. my God, she did it. Of course. She Get did. off my desk. Go. Go away. <laughs> Uh, and, and so, uh, David's like, you don't like stealth freeze. I'm like, no, I, I, that's exactly the point. I don't dislike stealth freeze, but his art doesn't really instigate any kind of passion within me. And I could say the same for like Gene Ha and, and a bunch of guys within that ultra realistic zone that, I mean, yeah, they're great at what they do, but it doesn't. Uh, if I if I was buying a regular series and either of those men mm-hmm. did an issue, I'd be like, oh, okay, this is yeah, it's, it, nice. But if it continued, I would question whether or not to keep buying that book because uh, not because I dislike the art, but because it does it's not honed in on my frequency, right? Which not everything has to be, mm-hmm. but it you know for an ongoing. Every single issue being done by someone whose art you're just like in the middle of the road on, then it's it's why keep buying it? Is what I'm saying. All right. Yeah, but, yeah, but I'm not hating. I'm definitely not hating on Stealth Freeze. Mm-hmm. Which you will probably say, well, you hate Stealth Freeze anyway, so <laughs> I don't. <laughs> He's very good. He is. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't make comics anymore. Pretty much. No, he doesn't. He still. What is he doing? Yeah. Commissions and stuff. Yeah, he does commissions and yeah, paintings and stuff. Yeah. That's smart. Just does the con circuit. Yeah, I don't blame him. If you can, if you can uh, extract a a comfortable living out of it, then why not? Work smart, not hard. Yeah. yeah. So the second half of the Abrams Comic Arts Orama, uh, Jason and I both dove into the second volume. Of I don't even know how to put this in the show notes because it's Simpsons Treehouse of Horror colon omnibus om om my goodness mm. ominous omnibus colon dead time stories for booze and ghouls volume two I guess I should have put the volume two after Simpsons Treehouse of Horror ominous omnibus volume two colon blah blah, blah. but whatever you call it this book has presence man. It is just a, the production values on this thing, like the first one. I think they even exceeded the first one with the second volume because it does have a slipcase like the first, uh, complete with die cut uh, cover. Wrapper. The die cuts everything, dude. I like the die cut a lot. Oh, I mean, I don't. So I wouldn't great. call it everything, but it, it's everything. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Doesn't exist without it. Um, but the, the slipcase is wonderful. It has wraparound art. It's beautiful. All your favorite characters inundated by the, you know, skeletons and the, the dead. Um, but the book itself is nuts. Spot varnish, dude. Yeah, spot varnish. And there's a plethora of characters on the cover, as there always is. Um, but there's glow-in-the-dark applied. Too. Oh, you checked it is? I know you asked me. I didn't check. I'm guessing. I'm looking at it. and I, There's only one way to tell, and that's to put the light out. But it looks and feels like glow-in-the-dark to me. Mm-hmm. I, 
well, I'd hate to call it glow in the dark and have it not be, but there may be glow in the dark on the because <laughs> who, be look, who looks at a book in the dark? That's weird. Um, what I wanted to say, the one thing that immediately jumped into my head when I looked at this book, and I'm just like, wow, Abrams is at Tashin level at this point. That's a pretty steep mountain to climb. And if I'm comparing you to Tashin, a publisher that I think makes the absolute best, most gorgeous books on the planet. Do you guys disagree with that? I think it's a fair thing to say. It's not. I'm not. Oh, yeah. I'm not Mr. Hyperbolic here. Tashin makes beautiful books. They do. Yeah, a for sure. Abrams is like they may be not at the peak of the mountain with Tashin, but they're damn close. Mm -hmm. And this oh, book no, is. Yeah, this book stuff. is just ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I mean, it's 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 one of those books where the. Shelf porn nerd in me would want to own it if I saw it, even if I didn't like the subject matter. That's the thing. If if you yeah. if you saw this book um, in the in the wild, and and the the uh, bookseller was smart enough to free it from its its uh, slipcase, there's no way you can walk away from this book and not say, "I need this. I need this book for my for my library because it's just ridiculous." Not only the production values, but when you take into account the artists involved that was one of the things that i mean back in the day i was always preaching simpsons and i could tell the guys were like mm, yeah, okay simpsons but uh i remember how irate you got you were like why did you order this you're not gonna like it i <laughs> the first I, volume you were so apoplectic that i bought it you were like it's so stupid why did you buy it? you're gonna hate it <laughs> I don't think I sound like that but <laughs> you're not that nasally but yeah. i i wasn't irate i was just a little bit baffled because this is definitely not your thing. And what happened? You loved it so much. That's right. But anyway, back to the artists. Mm -hmm. It it is an amazing assemblage uh, yeah, of artists. Kyle Baker. Oh, nice. Dan, yep. Dan Brereton. I was just going to say Brereton's Cthulhu story. One of my favorites in this volume, and I don't consider myself particularly a Brereton fan. I know he was in the first volume as well, but I thought that st story really stood out to me in, in this volume. Yeah, it is wonderful. The, I mean, the guy's just like ridiculous with the with the, the paint. Um, mm -hmm. Jim Woodring, yeah, Sammy Harkham, mm -hmm. Troy Nixie, my boy. Yep, it's crazy. Um, the uh, I, I got to give some love to to Hillary. The Jaws story is ridiculous. Yep. Um, he he just doing his thing. he just wrangles light and shadow. Those inks are just gorgeous. So I mean, Hillary's story mm -hmm. is great. Um, Pia Guerra, what the best man? Pia yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, a lot of these cats work within the like most of them are on model, but a lot of them aren't. And and I, I like the, the the stories that definitely stray from the. This, the Matt Groening model sheet. Mm -hmm. There's a manga-esque one. It's black and white. Uh, I forget who drew it, but I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, and it's a pastiche of uh, Death Note. It's uh, Yeah, yeah, no, that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nina Matsumoto. It's, it's great. Yeah. Now, it's, hold on, because they, they, uh, they did a Death Note riff on one of the episodes. Is the Treehouse oh, neat. stories, they're not adapting the cartoons, are they? More than often, no. Story? 
Yeah, no. Okay. They, uh, but for the most part, I mean, it may be. I, I don't. I don't recall the specifics of of the episode, but uh, yeah, this book is ridiculous. Sammy Harkham, Dude, Ted I May started it off straight because I love the. I mean, the 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 rapture first story. I think is is great, uh, especially. Okay. What happened? He fixed his audio issues. Stop. <laughs> Oh, I'm on mute. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> My bad. I don't know how that happened. No, really. Oh, you know what? Because I'm holding the book. I must have accidentally hit mute. It's right. so damn heavy. Happens, my dude. My bad. Yeah. No, I was saying the uh, the, the rapture story. It starts us off right because I'm, I'm, I'm down for any good rapture story. And then uh, it was very clever how they, you know, it wasn't the rapture. It was actually an alien sweatshop, which <laughs> and at one point, like, I forget one of the aliens is like, oh, you're. Like, that, the, like, like uh, forced labor is like the greatest invention of humankind. <laughs> Uh, everybody's favorite rock and roll band kiss makes an uh, appearance illustrated by tone rodriguez they are just ask gene he'll tell you right (laughs) john vermilia has a story in here it's like it just keeps compounding the the stories are um i mean if you've seen an episode of the simpsons at any point within the what is it like 67 years it's been on tv you you know what to expect very sarcastic very acerbic um uh scott shaw dap did did a story yeah um i mean and here's the weird thing like i have all these is peter cooper I have mm-hmm. all these issues, and it's I cannot not buy this book. Oh, sure. Yeah, Miss Crabapple has a little nudity, almost in the Jaws story. Which well, I kn- it's interesting because for a lot of years of VOC, you would talk about this comic, The Treehouse of Horror, every year. I don't feel like you've done that in a long time, but you used to well, talk about them. Yeah, they stopped publishing a while. Oh, back. did they? Okay. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and I, I, as as we know, I didn't I didn't read them, but but so it's all de novo for me. But it's great. It's really well done. I mean, it, it like you said, it's it's. Uh, I know they're cherry picking, so inherently it will be better than average what was in it, I guess. But but now we're two big volumes in, and I, I mean, I don't think I didn't discern any particular drop off in quality it's not like i felt like they were doing the b-side cuts to make the second volume uh, you know I, th- I think it was just as good so right well uh, uh, just a slight clarification they are mm-hmm. cherry picking for the volumes mm-hmm. but yeah. it, after the third volume is published you will have read every issue of oh, okay. Trios of okay. okay so, so they're, they're, like they're just organizing it yeah uh, they're shuffling the deck chairs mm-hmm. but you're you're still yeah. getting the whole boat yeah. right right which is smart, and and initially, I, I, um, listeners will remember, I said, eh, you know, I don't really think it was a smart idea to to mix this stuff up by theme, but now, in, in retrospect, their own there's going to be three volumes, and I will buy them all. So yeah, okay, whatever. The stories aren't consecutive. The issues aren't consecutive. But the one thing that I still think they should have done, and it may appear in the third volume. Who knows? You don't get the covers, right? Right, and, and I think that's that's ridiculous. That because the covers, more, in a lot of instances, weren't created by anyone who appeared inside the issue. Some were, some weren't. So to to shuffle those people off to the side just because they did the cover, I don't think that's right. I mean, and the, the completest in me says, 
I want all of it. Even give me the ad pages <laughs> and the, you know, the, there weren't letters, I don't believe, in Trials of Horror. But if there were, I would want them too, right? So we got, in, in addition to all of the creators we mentioned, we have uh, Terry Austin, Chuck Dixon's in here, Jerry Duggan. Uh, let's see, someone we didn't mention. Kevin Huizenga. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Boothby. I think I said before we started the the proper app that uh, that Terry Moore is in here, but it was actually shockingly disappointing to me because it looked really strange. It looked very stiff. Yes. Um, the, uh, James Robinson, mm-hmm. Brian Posehn, Andrew. Did I say Andrew Peepoy? Phil Ortiz, nope. mm-hmm. uh, Steve Niles, of course, and the omnipresent Bill Morrison. I, I was going to say Morrison. I mean, yeah. that's, he's a staple. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Kirschbaum, Peter Cooper, Carol Lay. It's crazy. Ted May, who you may or may not know based on your uh, involvement in the Comics Journal message boards. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this volume is, re- and it's not expensive. It's not expensive. Mm-hmm. What is it? 30, $39.99. $39.99. It's yeah. stupid mm-hmm. cheap for what you get. It is cheap. Dumb cheap, yeah. Yeah. So I loved it. I Same. Yeah. Just go buy it because um, if you want to impress the ladies, like, <laughs> uh, no, really, all you got to do is whip out this big uh, monster of a tome complete with die-cut slipcase, and they'd be like, oh, you have obvious taste, my friend. Do take you mind me, if I dance with your date? Take me to dinner. There you go. So, yeah. Take me to church. I, wait, I know who that is. Yeah, who is that? Coldplay. No. Yeah. I don't know. Um, no. Yeah, Hozier. I've I've heard this. Wait, song. Hozier? What? <laughs> wait, take La- off Hozier. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Hozier. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> no, it is. For now, now until the end of time, it's Hozier. Let it go. Hosier. Don't it's look Hosier. it up. It's, I don't want to know. H o s c u r. No. H o z i e r. Hosier? It, it's... It's Hosier? It is. It's Hosier. Holy Thank shit. You. I would have never known that. That's Motherfuckers. crazy. It's a one-hit wonder, I guess. you got to get all Canadian racist. So, I have something. Okay. I had an inkling what it might be going in, but I wasn't sure because uh, I was taking into account. I read some of the blurbs and um, Eldritch was used in the blurb and i'm like hmm and, and the name of the book is called where black stars rise mm-hmm. as a interesting this could be something but i'm not going to prejudge i'm just going to go in because um it was written by nadia shamas illustrated by marie anger and it's a tom doherty associates oh book. marie anger really yes yeah. it, it's, oh, it's t- one of dave jordan's good people it's one of those people he was tables with at cons excellent Mm-hmm. It is a Tom Doherty Associates book. So it's the story. There are actually two stories interwoven, but one uh, bubbles to the surface a bit more than the the other. Uh, it, it, it is a tale of a Lebanese uh, student therapist named Amal Robardin, and she's meeting with her very first client. Not a lot of experience. Smart, right? Book smart. 
um, instructed in all the ways and means one one deals with various um, emotional uh, and you know problems. So, uh, but she really, really wants to do a good job with her first patient. She she needs to succeed at this because it's 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 her first race. So she wants to at least show uh, or maybe win, right? So um, she needs to succeed as a therapist. Only problem being that um, her first patient, one Yasmin Mofid, a uh, 30-year-old grad student, she's getting her, her uh, MFA in playwriting, and she does this blog about New York City experimental theater, uh, and, and the, the woman uses writing as therapy. You know, it makes sense. She contextualizes the world through writing. A lot of writers do that. Uh, most do. Uh, and she's focused on metafiction. Loves the concept. Or in this case, metatheater, right? Plays that are referenced in other works of fiction. That should be a huge clue where this is going. Um, she starts to experience night terrors, this young lady, it, along with sleep paralysis. And she fixates on, on her door. And there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a little uh, rambling aside initially about the door to her, her dorm. And she would fixate on the door. And, and you know, the, the, it was open just a crack. And, and yellow light starts streaming into her bedroom. And this yellow light eventually is accompanied by a figure that walks to the foot of her bed. And Yasmin's like, wait a minute. I don't think the light is coming from behind. Or she doesn't think the light is coming from without the figure. She thinks it's coming from within the figure. Right? And, and the next day she walks into the hallway and the floor's all cracked and the light bulbs are shattered and her mouth, she's got this weird taste of seawater in her mouth. So Amal being the, the, the you know, the, the book smart uh, therapist who hasn't had a real patient does what she was trained to do. She, she goes through that mental list of all of the, 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 permutations of what could be causing this and how to deal with it and and she suggests possible explanations all of which kind of offend and infuriate Yasmin who has been in therapy for, for 10 years and, and is intimately familiar with herself and how her mind works and she's like it's not stress it these these funny little lists and these worksheets that you're giving me aren't going to explain this it's it's real i'm telling you it, it's not just real to me but it's real in reality like this is actually taking place really real yeah and she's pissed it's for real though because amal doesn't really listen to the words that are coming out of her mouth she's present and she's hearing but she's really not listening she's like unintentionally dismissive and she jumps to conclusions so uh, uh, yasmin will say something and she's like going scanning her brain for what could possibly be causing this and she's not actually she's not present she's not actually immersing herself in this this young lady's tale right 
she's resorting to traditional avenues of treatment. She's checking boxes. She's consulting notes. And in doing so, she's throwing up a, 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 a clinical wall between her and Yasmin. And so Yasmin decides, fuck this. I, the, this dry brand of therapy like isn't helping. It, she just leaves. And then she goes missing. And Amal sinks into depression. And it's a clue to her character. She she once told her partner, Nia, about Yasmin's theater blog. And so um, Amal's out of options. And her, her, her girlfriend, Nia, says, well, have you checked her blog? And Amal never even considered doing that. Like it was a clue, an insight into the, the mindscape of her patient. And she never even considered to to uh, to plumb that depth right it, it's just further evidence that amal did not fully engage with her parent patient right so there's a problem so they check the blog and they find out that yasmin was working on a play for this brooklyn-based tattered players um and the season the tattered player season begins in red hook that should ring a bell and the work in question is called The King in Yellow. Hmm. So all roads lead to Carcosa. This is steeped in Lovecraftian mythology. This is part of the, the, the mythos. I, I count this book now as, as part of that grand tapestry, that shared universe that um, Chambers, Robert Chambers, author of The King in Yellow, instigated and Lovecraft perpetuated, right? Minus the racism and the misogyny. But um, it's wonderful. And I'm not going to go any further. I will say if, if you are uh, attuned to the Lovecraftian stuff, you're going to love this. You're going to eat this shit up because it is really exceptionally well done. Um, Marie Enger's work, they are in the Jim Mafut school. So everything is super exaggerated, super distorted. Yeah, very, very like, ang like angly, like sharp yeah. angles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you thumb through this book, there's one color that leaps out and it's perfect. Yellow. It Yellow. Oh, because I, I only asked this pink because I haven't read this book, obviously, but I have a few of her work and I have a commission from her and she loves hot pink, but okay, that makes sense thematically it's perfect because the king sure. of yellow right mm -hmm. it's creepy as hell um nah, you get a um a little tour of uh a, a terrifying tour of carcosa it, it's just a, a really really well done um addition to the the, the lovecraftian uh, mythology i thought it was great i didn't know going in but once I mean, I had clues once I saw the, that figure bathed in yellow, and I was like, wait a minute. And and there are a lot of stars in this book, whether in the background or used as a design motif, um, starry wisdom, right? Uh, the yellow star is part of uh, Chambers' uh, King in Yellow. It's just wonderful. And I ate it up, and I read it. I read it twice. And I, I think it, the, the 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 page where they pages where they access the blog actually look like 
a scrolling web page. Really, really well done. But everything is hand lettered, so they didn't they didn't try to approximate the visuals of a web page. They did it through um, Anger's visual sensibility, hand lettering, imperfect lines. Loved it. That's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. I, I, one thing that bothers me in comics is when you see someone whip out a phone and they're they're doing something out of and it's just a screen capture from a real phone conversation like that bugs the shit out of me because your external is your visual language but that little pocket universe of the the internet there is in the visuals that everybody sees so how could that be mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense and how do folks get a, how do we get our hands on this well it is from tom doherty and associates uh i'm guessing amazon yeah this book was given to me um so i don't exactly know where you i'm sure amazon has it right why don't you just why don't you just fire that up while while i finish this little Uh, this little uh investigation but it's it's very claustrophobic as it's like all of the words that you would use to describe um any noteworthy work in the Lovecraftian vein, claustrophobic. Um, there are washes of surrealism through it. Uh, it, it has a, a shroud over all of the the proceedings. And I don't want to say mental illness, but there are issues with the human mind in this. That's a big thing about in, in Lovecraft's work, right? Um, most of the protagonists end up crazy or dead. So, uh, to 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 that mechanic or, or that that um, chestnut, where you know things may not be what they seem, but they could be. That's perfect, and that that is one of the the staples of HP. So, it's a really great little book. Not it's not long, maybe 128, 138 pages around there. I don't know. But I just had a uh, an absolute wonderful. yeah. You get it on Amazon. How much? Twelve. Yeah, didn't hear that. You broke up. Twelve eighty six. Wow, worth it at twice the price. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. You should go get it. So black where the black where black stars rise. Sorry, Nadia Shamas was the writer. Marie Enger illustrated it, and it's published by Tom Doherty Associates. Get it, get it, get it. I dig it. Yeah, and it's I like it when it, it when it's an all female production. Yeah. Because uh, you know, don't want to get into gender roles, but uh, I think uh, the the female mind is more uh in tune with uh subtlety mm. don't you absolutely yeah without a doubt i've had enough stories with cthulhu running around with, with you know giant giant dick i don't want to see it anymore. <laughs> and, and hp one of the another um staple of lovecraft's work is that he didn't try to describe the indescribable. He just basically said it was indescribable and left it at that. And he left it to the reader to fill in the the 
you know, the mental images of what he's talking about. That's great. That's Ridley Scott, right? Alien. We're not going to show this whole damn thing. Maybe we will at the end, but in the middle of the movie, you're not going to see too much of it because it's scarier not knowing exactly what it looks like than if we showed you a complete 360-degree rotation of this thing. So, yeah, subtlety works well. Works wonders, in, especially in horror. Mm. That's true. Yeah. There is one shot I'm really sick of. It's not in this yeah. book. It's not in this book. Being a horror fan, I can't stand it when one of the characters is front and center in the frame, maybe a little jack to the side, and they're, <laughs> or they're talking, or they're trying to do something, and something slowly rises behind them. That bugs the shit out of me. I don't know why. I don't know why, because every, I don't say everybody, but a lot of directors employ that. It's, it's cheap. I guess it's effective, but it doesn't, it, it has stopped working on me. Does that give you any kind of chills when you see something rise in the background and the, the character doesn't know what's happening? You're just like, oh, yeah, things behind her. <laughs> like in The Descent, when the girl, the girl's and the thing just kind of in the dark and she, the, the light comes on, you see this thing behind her, like, oh, okay. That's, I don't know. I don't think it's scary. Maybe I'm just I old and jaded. Well, you're definitely jaded. Uh, it, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it it depends, but I can definitely I, I I can appreciate the wanting of uh, giving that a rest. Yeah, a while, it, it, if it's a if it's a, a stylistic thing that a lot of people use, after a while, once I mean when it when you see it, it's just like oh you went there. It, it, right. it, it's it's uh, how about let's use a little bit of our creativity and trying to find a different way to 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 create this scene let, let, yeah, i mean if that's let's if, be scared with the with the character in the movie instead of us knowing something that the character doesn't know right but i mean and, and in comics too i mean if if something yeah. go is displayed in sequentials and we've seen it a gazillion times before it's yeah. just like whatever you, you you're just telling me something i've already heard or seen i don't want to i don't see it again and i and i guess you can't reinvent the wheel Certain things work. I understand that. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but um, it's convention. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a problem. I'm just. I'm. Nothing is ever going to make me stop consuming um, horror movies or comics. So whatever. The joke's on me. But um, yeah, I just wish someone would in, ignite that creativity and try and find different visual ways to to explore things that seemingly everybody does. And none of that is in this book, because I guarantee you that once you crack open where black stars rise, you're going to be like, this is different. I, I haven't seen a visual language exactly like this in, a, in my existence. It's it's very unique take. It's lovely. Nice. Yeah. Oh, um... Jason, you good? I'm great. <laughs> Dad, Dad, what did you read? <laughs> uh, I read the third part of the Materials trilogy. Uh, the uh, All the issues were released. The trade was uh, hit the stands yesterday. I am talking about Plush by Doug Wagner, 
Daniel Hilliard, this time joined by Rico Renzi on colors and your letterer again for the third time is Ed Dukeshire. Um, as we've enjoyed plastic and vinyl, plush was another fun time. I think I don't, I, I, I just read it. So it's fresh with me, but it's, it's kind of hard to top plastic. Although vinyl came really close. I really, really like all the characters from vinyl. Um, plush skewed a little younger, but it, uh, it was still extremely violent in a funny way. Um, and, uh, it's un- unlike the previous two books that I read as they were coming out. Uh, Plush, I just, I read the trade. I, I read the first issue when, when Image sent it to us, but um, I sat on the remaining issues and reading the trade. And it, because the events all happened, all, all, um, the five, six issues happened over uh, the course of uh, probably a, a handful of hours. Um, it, it read, it reads better to me it, 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 as far as reading the story, uh, enjoying the story. Uh, it's, it's, you know, if we, we all read so many books, they come out every few weeks, depending on the type of story, um, things may be forgotten. It, it's, uh, if, if I'm reading a monthly book and time is supposed to pass, then yeah, okay, that, that that's deliberate and, and works with the storytelling. But there, there are some stories where if they are supposed to happen, they continue right from where the last issue left off. And, you know, barely minutes have passed um, that real lifetime. If, uh, if you don't have great recall or you haven't recently just read the previous issue, um, it can definitely play an effect on, uh, on how I could appreciate the story but this was this was a blast i mean hilliard's art is is still phenomenal um he and rico work work well together but man it's it's uh i do think there might be a slight connection to vinyl um i could just be reading into it but the uh the story starts the story starts off with us meeting Devin, who's basically a a hopeless romantic um he uh story takes place down in uh, charleston west virginia and um he's uh kind of bummed because uh he um he's called off his engagement with his fiance and uh all he's harping on is this ring that his grandmother gave him because you know it's supposed to be it's special it's supposed to mean something he gives it to the woman he loves and this chick ends up cheating on him, getting pregnant. Um, and Devin's like, I can't, I'm done with this. And Devin's buddy Levi is, is sitting next to him in his furry suit. Um, basically letting him know, yo bro, uh, Whitney was always a bitch. It's just, I'm, I'm glad you kind of finally see it, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I just, I don't know how many different ways I could tell you this. And, and, and all Devin's is like, man, did I tell you that, you know, Whitney hated this ring. She said she wanted something new. She didn't want anything from, from my dead grandmother. And he's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, this, this, she was, this, she was seriously a bitch. We need to get you out of the house. Um, 
and uh, and and you're coming with me. And they're going to a uh, to a fur party, and and even Devin um, is in this like funky green chicken suit. Um, Levi is is uh, is in a fox suit, and they're going and they're having fun at the party. And Levi's like, "No, bro, I got you. I'm not going to leave you hanging. Don't worry about it. You, you, you'll be fine. I got your back." And you know, we get to a double page spread, and like. Levi's just gone. He bounces. He's he's just doing his own thing. And before they go to the party, though, um, they down some shots. And uh, it, it's actually it's called a um, it's called a buttery nipple. And and Levi made it a little stronger than usual. So while they're at the party, um, Devin gets a little bit of a gurgle in his stomach and uh, runs out to the alley and uh, pukes. Behind a dumpster, basically, kind of <laughs> Levi roofied him, but he hears the the jingle of a of a bell, like uh, on the cat's collar, and he looks over and he sees three individuals, uh, basically just going all down, <laughs> full cannibal on on someone else in in a fur suit, um, and Devin can't believe what he sees and he's running out of the alley runs right into a cop car that is uh that's being operated by the deputy deputy's name is uh mirth mirth m-a-e-r-t-h um and and devin is just completely pissed off that this person is in front of him uh we don't know why yet until devin says you ruined my life and uh and he's like, man, you're dressed up in a furry outfit. You're talking about cannibal fury, furries, man. You just, you got to be, you, you must be high. The sheriff's going to love this. Uh, turns out that Whitney, Devin's fiance, the person she is, person she, who impregnated her is this deputy. And, uh, and Whitney's father, Devin would-be father-in-law, is the sheriff. Uh, all the sheriff wants is to make his daughter happy. And marrying Devin for some reason would make her very happy. And the sheriff wants Whitney to marry Devin because Devin's family comes from money. And Sheriff Brotman just figures, um, I'll be on Easy Street. They're my ticket. I'm going to be able to like, run this town with their money, with 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 my power. Everything's coming up me. So uh, so Devin's just like, no, man, fuck this. I'm not. I'm not marrying your daughter I and mean, she this dipshit is the one who impregnated her and, and mirth is just sitting there like oh what, man she hates condoms and brotman's like bro i don't know if you realize this but you're in the evidence room and and devin's like man is this for intimidation he's like no no i just uh i just want you to be aware that this room is filled with years of unsolved cases you know murders rapists pedophiles and he's like if uh if you want to be unreasonable, if you want to turn down my daughter, if you do not want to marry her, um, then uh, I'll just do whatever I have to to put you away to keep her happy. And uh, and they're going to hold um, they're going to hold Devin overnight so he can dwell on this and and make up his mind on whether or not he wants to actually 
spend his life in prison or marry a woman who uh, he really doesn't love. Um, so he's got to, uh, Robin's going to go out and um, hit up a country club. He's got to shake some babies, kiss some faces, and, and uh, put in the work. No one's to touch Devin. And uh, all the deputies are sitting around the uh, the precinct, the, the the sheriff's office, and um, as soon as the sheriff walks out the door, uh, Mirth puts the deputy in charge in handcuffs, ties him up to a chair, and the rest of them are going to go fuck with Devin. But apparently, instead of just um, shooting him to kill him, they're going to have some fun first because they're going to make it look as though. Um, Camillo, the one he would, uh, the sheriff put in charge, he went to go check on Devin. Devin jumped him, took his gun, shot Camillo, and then deputies went in and in self-defense killed Devin. That's that's Mirth's plan. But uh, while that's going on, the furries that Devin saw in the alley show up at the precinct. And this is where the first issue was a really fun setup. But after that, we uh, we we just kind of hit the ground running, and and I'm not gonna you know, avoid spoiling things. But our um, our friendly furries are uh, Keebler, who goes by Keebs. She's kind of uh, the 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 suit is basically like a a chubby chick with uh, with duck lips. There's uh, Edie, who's dressed up as a cat, and um, Edie and Devin, when Devin, after he's done puking in the alley, Devin and Edie's eyes meet. And, um, and Bo, who's the third guy, he, he, uh, he's wearing a goat outfit. He goes by scratch. Uh, Bo and Keebler think it was love at first sight. So they went to the precinct to rescue Devin because, uh, they just want everybody to be happy. And, once um once Devin is uh is freed and also while they're freeing Devin, uh pretty much almost all of the deputies uh are maimed and killed and uh and, and of course that that beautiful illard graphic way, but uh we we um we end up at a old mansion with uh, with some carnival rides in the backyard and, uh, and, and Devin and Edie are getting to know each other. Um, the sheriff ends up tracking them down to this place. Devin's like, listen, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with the sheriff. You just leave, leave everybody alone. Leave Keebler, leave, leave Edie, especially Edie, leave Bo alone, leave everybody alone. I'm coming with you. I'll marry your daughter. We're done. They get back to the precinct though. The sheriff basically lied. He's like, listen, I can't have a bunch of furries like killing my deputies. So, um, we're going to head back to the mansion. You just stay here um, and uh, think about what you did. And then um, basically things do not go the way they planned. And I, it, it's no secret that I dislike bullies with a huge passion. And one of my favorite things about stories is seeing the bully get what's coming to them. And I I, I so, so enjoy the stories that Doug Wagner tells because they just, they, 
the the topics or 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 the uh, the subject matter within those stories they might not necessarily have been something that I was looking for, but the outcome is definitely there. I I the it's it might be predictable. You might just you know know that the guy you're rooting for is probably going to come out on top. Might not come out fully whole by the time the story is done, uh, and there's going to be some some drama uh, along the way. But uh, chances are, if you've read if you've read plastic, if you've read vinyl. You kind of know how things are going to end up for the people involved here, but it's just it's when it comes to this trilogy, it's it's all about the journey for me. I, I, I like I said, I know where we're going. Destination is pretty much a foregone conclusion, but how we get there is is what I'm what I'm paying to see, and um, and it's a hell of a ride. It's just been I I had an absolute blast with this one. It's uh, it's it's a little bit more probably a little bit the humor might be here a little more than it was on 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 the previous two books uh, especially with the expressions on the uh on on Keebler's face with 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 the duck lips but it's um it was just it's a lot of fun and again though i mean the art absolutely makes it if anybody else drew this i don't know how i'd feel about it, it it's it's just their wagner's words the story he's telling the way Hilliard draws it, uh, it's it really is. They're, they're a great match. I uh, I really I know this was apparently according to the back page anyway. This was a trilogy. I really really hope they work together, even if it's not necessarily something about a serial killer or cannibals. Uh, I want to see more work from um, from these two. It's it's just it's a ton of fun and and um, and friend of the show. Uh, Tony Fleece did variant covers for every issue, and they're in the back of the trade. And it's uh, it's just it's so good. I said, I mean, if 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 you've read either of the previous two stories, um, you'll know what you get here. And the reason why I say that uh, I think there's a connection to vinyl. Um, Edie is has a charm around her neck. Uh, it's a sunflower, and um, and basically, it's uh, there's uh, her father, Edie's father. Although fathers should kind of be in air quotes because Bo is telling Devin that uh, when when they keep talking about our father, Devin's like, okay, so you all are related. But then Bo drops a well, Edie's mother. He's like, wait, so you're your half-sister like you got different mothers and he's like well and we're not sure if dad rescued these kids or kidnapped them and basically we don't know how they became cannibals and and why uh the bow only tries to eat vegans or vegetarians but uh Edie's wearing a sunflower charm and uh, her father gave it to her when uh when he rescued her um but it's uh, it's there's a story that goes along with it, and I'm I'm I want to go back now and reread vinyl to see if if there is a connection. Um, I don't really remember picking up on or even looking for a connection between vinyl and plastic, but I really I don't know if if these stories are kind of all in a connecting universe. It, it whether they are or not, it doesn't matter. But it is it. For someone who might be 
looking for Easter eggs or things like that. I don't know if it's there. If we ever do get to have Doug on the show, um, I might ask him. But it is, it's just, I just read plush. It, this was, as long as you're not squeamish, uh, which I don't think most of our friends are. But I just, I I can't stop looking at the art. It, that's that that's what's that's amazing especially when Keebler picks up the ring and she's and and she's looking at just her big round head just it it kills me but yeah um i just want people to read plush that's 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 the that would probably be it might be close to uh if i borrow jason's best thing i read this week this might be it but yeah um i had a blast with it that's it nice I feel like we got to get Wagner on the show. We do. I think I still have his card somewhere, or at least his email. But yeah, I'll um, I'll reach out again. Nice. Y'all love that mofo. Yep. <laughs> Jason, what? what are you laughing at? You, you love that mofo. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know how many weeks you used to give me grief for keeping stuff on on the on the itinerary. Mm-hmm. You said like, oh, I keep it on there. Pirate girl on your list for like two months. Curse pirate car girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, I was waiting for a moment where I don't know. Um, I could insert it into the conversation <laughs> without saying, "Hey, remember that thing that came out like fifteen years ago?" Oh, I yeah. just. I just CGS was doing Super Show, yeah. Right, right. I I have all of the single issues. I have all of the collections. And um, one of our uh, Slack family, Mitchell, uh, offered it to me in a in a deal. And I'm just like, I didn't have the the latest collection of it. Um, So I just reread it when I got it, and it it just. It amazes me that one, a human being has the energy to lay down this many lines. The the work is just ridiculously detailed in old uh, Drewer uh, printmaking style. Like it is just insanely dense with line work there not only is is there a lot of lines that detail the events there's a lot of different things going on in every one of the panels and i was like knowing the average time uh a reader spends on any given panel you gotta wonder you know how much return on his physical, mental, creative investment did Jeremy Bastain think he was going to get? Right? I mean, it, it, it it's one of those books where you drop it on a, a, on someone and they look at it and it's like, holy God, this book is just gorgeous. It's it's amazing. But I, I don't, I mean, the average reader is, is just going to read it, right? And not really immerse themselves in everything that's going on in every panel i did it took me forever to read this thing and it's not even the whole the whole story it's like i think the first maybe four or six issues and uh time wise i spent an inordinate amount of time just wrapping myself in this world that he's created because there's a lot of toil 
and 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 just process and and creation within these panels. You guys have both read this, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. How do you describe this artwork to someone who hasn't seen it? To say it's detailed, I think, is an understatement. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, I remember thinking it was like Scrimshaw, you know, like you, that kind of thing. I mean, it was so super detailed in black and white. Um, it's meticulously, it's yes. Yeah. And the story, I think, is is wonderfully simple. It's a young girl um, uh, who believes to be the daughter of a famous pirate captain and and just throws caution to the wind and goes out to seek her father. Um, unfortunately, the young girl, the cursed pirate girl, tracks the attention of the daughter of a local governor. Um, and the governor does not like the effects that cursed pirate girl has on his daughter. So he has her, quote, killed. Uh, he sends one of his thugs out to kill her. And she's not killed. But it just it just instigates this grand adventure where this young girl, alone in most cases, goes out on the on on the waters in search of her father and it's crazy the um it's been compared to lewis carroll's alice in wonderland Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. i mean just reasons it does have that that off-kilter um malleable or 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 fluid reality type uh within the i mean there are characters have giant heads there are talking animals in the book um and it's 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 crazy uh but it just bought, i mean being a creative person and seeing the 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 levels that Bastain has gone to to just make this thing that was in his head real i i i cannot find language to adequately describe what and i think that's good right that that uh um, a, a, a piece of creation pushes you into an area where you don't have the facility, you don't have the the words to accurately describe it. That you know, to me, that means like, wow, this is this is something one I don't encounter every day. Two, it, it, it's it's its own universe. It's its own thing because if I can't compare, I you, I could make a list of of the classicists that you know that this work reminds me of but in comics like there's nothing out there like this absolutely nothing and it's it's an experience and i i I think if you haven't read jeremy bastain's cursed pirate girl i think you really should because it is just and it it is a singular experience you're not going to ever come across anything that even approximates what this does i guess like i think that's pretty safe to say the ships ridiculous every plank every piece of wood the rope the 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 mass the sails just the the and and nothing is pristine in in cursed pirate girl's world even those um the affluent characters and there's all finery within the governor's uh you know place it there's always there has there's a an undercurrent of like entropy to the work where he renders things not in a perfect state, but they have existed for some time. And the effects of time are apparent on these things. And the characters are crazy. Just, uh, again, to render water is a real pain in the ass. 
but it doesn't seem to be to to Jeremy Bestein. <laughs> and uh, I remember this was like the uh, everybody back in the day when this was coming out. Uh, even Chris, I think Chris was like super hot on this book. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, so I got on it early. I have all of the and some of the original singles are are numbered, right? The the print runs were relatively low where they could release numbered editions of them. And it's like, holy crap, this is why isn't more people why aren't more people talking about this? This is like to to come out of the gate, like I haven't heard of Jeremy Bastain doing anything other than Curse Pirate Girl. Maybe that's on me. But at the time I was like, who is this guy? And how do you produce a work like this fresh out of like it doesn't register like th this is something that i would expect from somebody that's been making comics for decades you know 30 40 50 years it is it is incredibly produced i, I the, again words fail i i you, you don't know you won't know what i'm speaking about unless you actually experience curse pirate girl for yourself there's really nothing out there like it. Maybe uh, to say Mike Kaluta's early work is it, it's not. So I, I erase that. You know, like I can't find. There's a little bit of Al Williamson in this, but not right. There's yeah. you could see maybe the threads trailing off into the guys that have done it before, but it, it's its own thing. The Bastian seems to have taken whatever he experienced in life and filtered it through this little thing that's uniquely him. And it's just, there's that word, ridiculous. It really is. And I'm at a loss of a word that could accurately describe this book. Mm -hmm. It's phenomenal. Well, it's interesting because uh, Bastion hasn't made a comic since this. How do you top? I mean, I, I don't think the goal is to top your previous work. I would hope maybe it is. If you aspire to anything greater than what you've done, then yeah. But I, I could completely understand having produced Curse Pirate Girl and be like, I'm good. <laughs> like, what does Dave Sim do after Cerebus? Garbage, right? But if Dave, Cer if Dave Sim stopped after Cerebus and never did a cut-and-paste comic uh, filtered through his ridiculous uh, social and political views, then he would be regarded as one of the true masters of the craft. I think what he's doing now is kind of sullying that the achievement of Cerebus because now he's a joke. By and large, Dave Sim is a joke. Yeah. But he was, a, he was a player back in the day. This guy created 300 issues, again... One could see that kind of Dave Sim, Gerhard sensibility in Jeremy Bastain's work, not to, I mean, compound it. It's even more intense. But I don't know, like, I, I, I to, to, to learn that he hasn't made anything other than this, I, that makes total sense to me. Stage fright, maybe. Maybe it's performance yeah. anxiety. I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard for me to buy into the to the Sim comparison because, like you said, Sim was I mean, three hundred issues of brilliance. I mean, uh, but, let's let's go two hundred thirty well, okay, issues. No, okay, fair enough. My point is three hundred issues, much of which was brilliant. Right. Uh, you know, Bastion made one comic, and again, it's super intricate and it's memorable and it stands the test of time. But but it is curious. Um, I mean, he has almost no presence on the internet. 
he still does cons, but he hasn't. I don't think he's created anything, at least for public consumption, since 2009, which is pretty remarkable. Well, let's look at it. Um, I'm guessing the level of his involvement in producing this material was probably exceedingly high. It probably took a, re- a, a stupid amount of time to actually render, right? Then, you know, going in, you're doing character designs, you're writing the story, you're you're researching all of the, the associated uh, time-specific bric-a-brac, era-specific bric-a-brac in the book. Like, I'm guessing this book took him a mountain of time to produce. And I'm also assuming that the returns on all that invest- investment weren't exceedingly high. So he probably thought, hmm. All that creative energy I put into this thing, and you know, this is what I got. He probably made money on it. I'm hoping he made money on it, but I'm guessing that it didn't break the bank, which is sad, right? Because everybody was talking about it, but um, that doesn't actually translate into you know high sales. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe we, this is a, a, a cause like, let's get this guy on here. Let's talk to him. Because if there's anybody whose brain I would love to crack open and 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 jump into, it's Jeremy Bastian. Like I want to know what he put into this work. I want to know. But it's kind of irrelevant, right? When the work is of this caliber, and you look at it, and you're just like I, all of the stuff you put into this, I don't need to know. All I, I can assume, but all I need to experience is the work. And man, the work is just. It's it's not next level. It's like a hundred levels above next level. It's just uh, exceedingly beautiful and and intricate and deep and um, it's it's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Thanks for bringing it up, chump. What, yeah. What did yeah, you? I mean, oh God, she just laid a turd. That is disgusting. So <laughs> um, what did you read, Jason? Lovely. Yes. I, I, like I said, the two, the two Abrams books were the big ones for me this week, really. I mean, those are pretty big tomes. So, um, I mean, the only other thing I think that kind of curled my toes a bit recently was uh, The Nightclub, um, which uh, we talked about the first issue um, some time ago when it came out. And uh, I had just let the book stack up, but but uh, I finally finished it up. It's, it's Miller, Mark Miller, for those who don't remember Mark Miller, um, and art by Juanan Ramirez, and the premise is: What if vampires were superheroes? Basically, a um, a, a young high school kid gets nearly—he's nearly dead—in a hospital, and a vampire shows up and uh, turns him into a vampire to save his life. Under the auspice of he's recruiting an army uh, to fight a big fight he's got coming up, and um, and yeah, the kid like full on. Peter Parker's like Spider-Man. He's he feels great. He's a happy-go-lucky kid. Uh, he he and and kind of against type because which I really enjoyed. Instead of like being morose, bloodlust, what was me emo vampire? He is oh shit, this is great. Like I'm a superhero. Like I'm just gonna go and be a superhero and save the world. And he recruits his two best friends. So it'd be like, what if Miles Morales got ganky and you know and and a female friend to to be give if he could give them powers too and that's he gets his buddies and he's like hey 
I'm gonna turn you into vampires too, and we can we can be heroes together. And they're like, all right, bet. And he does that, and like it's all fun. Like they're they're wearing lucha masks and costumes, and they're going around saving the world. They're making some money because like companies are paying them to like get stolen goods back and the stuff. Like, and they're just having a blast, and they're putting it all on social media. And unfortunately, their mistake is that they're putting on social media because the dude that made him, his sire, sees this and is like, oh, hell no. And it looks like his sire is actually uh, with a a crew of baddies, like really bad vampires after all. But it turns out his sire, who's a cop, um, is 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 like a vampire vice cop. Like he's he's deep undercover uh, with this bad crew trying to upend them. And he's making other vampires because he needs a bunch of vampires because these are like the people he's running with are old and very powerful. So he's 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 trying to create like morally good people and give them power so they can fight this fight. And that's you know it's 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 like many Miller stories. It's pretty simple, straightforward. It it has an arc, but it leaves itself open for subsequent uh, volumes. And um, I thought it was great. Like it just had a fun teenage superhero vibe. Um, where like they're just they adore their powers, you know, like they endure that they can turn into mist and turn into bats and but they, you know, and it's just it's just an interesting little twist. And uh pretty sure that 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 they in some way are gonna appear in uh in the event that he's doing right now. Um we didn't see him in the first issue, but I think I remember the solicit mentioning this, so yeah. I guess they do make an appearance at some point. So yeah. It's fun, fun stuff. Yeah, I got it's done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I gotta read it. Probably yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. If if you told me again that I'd be Jonesing for Miller's shared universe, I'd be like, yep. what? No, no. Yeah, six, yeah. I'm sorry. Six. It's six issues. It's it's not five. It's six. But it is done. Yeah, finished in July. I'm on it. I'm getting on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have something. That I've been dragging along the uh, the I, my red list, and um, it's not so much a, 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 an examination of the content of the books. It's it's a more a, a take on the the way these books were perceived and the the legal troubles this person got into for producing them. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about Mike Diana and Boil, mm-hmm. Boil, Boiled Angel. Jason, you familiar with this? No, can't say that I am. Well, um... <laughs> oh, the CBG articles. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go deep. Or, or, I'm, not, I'm just going to touch upon the content. But uh, Mike Diana, Diana was a, an artist who um, reveled in the grotesque. His his artwork is very um, exaggerated, very expressionistic, very distorted, um, and he uh, touched upon themes and subjects and events that the general public would pretty much find distasteful. Uh, just to uh, the, the the books are littered with. Mm, dismembered bodies, uh, dismembered genitalia. Uh, he thinks that the penis has a bone in it, which I find is hysterical. A um, lot of murder, a lot of um, explicit sex. Uh, but they are cartoons, right? 
They're just drawings. And just drawings. They're just drawings. They're they're make believe. No children, pets, people were harmed and or murdered in the making of these comics. They're just flights of fancy by a creative person with a pencil and 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 uh something with which to ink, right? It was an anthology. So Mike Diane is not the only artist in the book, but he published the book. Small press. I, I would guess that if he sold 500, 600 copies of each issue was a lot. And uh, problem is, problem is that uh, I'm like around 91. Now, Diana lives in Florida or lived in Florida until he moved to New York. So uh, he's living in Florida and um, uh, a, law, like a, a law officer came into the possession of one of the comics and he thought that some of the murders in the comic were eerily similar to a case uh, in Gainesville, a couple student murders. And he's like, hmm, this is kind of similar. Uh, it didn't help matters that the the person that actually, one, one of the people that they liked for the, the crime had Boiled Angel in their possession. So Diana was was tried for obscenity brought to trial on the grounds of his work was obscene and he was convicted he is i guess at the time or maybe still the only artist in america that was ever convicted of obscenity hmm. yeah and i find it ridiculous ironic and hilarious that now there are collections of boiled angel available and you can you can buy them like it's there's there's no you know dark web trading of Mike Diana's comics or I mean they're published they're published and you can get them if you want them regularly sold and and, and traded so like this case and the legal ramifications of such disrupted his life like the comic book legal defense fund came to his rescue and I guess paid for his legal bills but um he moved out of florida and and was the bared the brunt of this this like stigma whenever you think of of really over the top uh transgressive comics boiled angels usually in the top 5 top 3 okay yeah, to, to again i'm not going to go into the what actually happens in the, in the book but a typical Boiled Angel story by Mike Diana is something along the lines of uh, guy adopts a kid, plays it up for the social worker, takes the kid as a slave um, because he has sex with babies and uses their corpses. Oh, boy. No, no, really. And, and uses their corpses to fuel his pet food machine and... Um, so, yeah, there's that. And it's totally, it's all fiction. It doesn't, it's not real. No babies were molested or killed or thrown into a pet food grinding machine. It's just one guy working out whatever demons he has on a piece of paper. And mm -hmm. yet, yet these people thought that 
and the jury believed that it was obscene. And I, I, it's something that doesn't register to me. Like, again, we always talk about hentai and how the majority of the participants in these comics are underage. Well, they're not underage. They have no age. They're, 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 they're not real, right? They're, they're not children. They're not adolescents. They're lines on paper. Yes, they are delineated to look, to appear like children, but no one was harmed. And, and I don't buy the whole thing that's, you know, the whole Ozzy Osbourne, well, you sung a song about suicide. This kid's committed suicide listening to your song, so therefore you are complicit in this child's suicide. That's not how it works. I don't think, well, I, I'm guessing that not anyone read Boiled Angel went out and duplicated the events within the comic because, number one, it's pretty much impossible. Uh, two, it's all make-believe. And I think that the average person interested in this stuff would look at it and be like, wow, this guy's off his rocker. Like, this stuff is fucked up. It's crazy. But, and maybe not explicitly said, but it's not real. It's make-believe. And yet this guy's life was borderline ruined by someone who thought that this print publication... uh went against their moral and spiritual and other kind of beliefs. Like, that's, to me, is very scary. Mm-hmm. That it happened then, but now it's it's almost ridiculous to me that this stuff is widely available. So yeah. wh- what did it amount to? You've ruined this guy's life for what? I don't know. It's just, it's, I find it fascinating that art could elicit such strong reaction from someone when all they have to do is take a minute and and say it's not real do you think rabbits and ducks were shot at by the a hunter with a speech impediment like no that's it's fake it's all Mm -hmm. it's all fake it never happened it's it's just entertainment i mean such as it is yeah and this stuff is I don't want to call it offensive because it doesn't offend me, but I can imagine if you pass this around at the church social club, you may oh, have sure. yeah, you may have a lot of people dropping. But that's the intent, right? He intended to offend. He intended to to make people question their sensibilities or turn away in revulsion. Whatever the, whatever he wanted, I can't speak for the dude, but there was a goal, right? You don't publish comics about dudes getting their dick chopped off and then someone else using it on somebody like you don't do that stuff randomly (laughs) there's a calculated agenda here right and it's to to either purge these crazy ass notions that you have in your head or these these flights of surreal barbaric you know, anti-human fantasies. But in the end, it all amounts to nothing because it's not real. So I'm just wondering, like, where do you guys... I mean, I think I know, knowing you so well, but where do you guys stand on this? Do you, do you actually perceive this work as being obscene or you just like, yeah. No, you know, the, the dude has a right to to express himself in this manner, but... Not for me. 
Uh, I'm sitting right next to like all five or six volumes of Prison Pit. We've read, you know, countless underground books over the years. It's any of us will order things from Fantagraphics. It's I, I. There's nothing. I'm even as young as I was when these events were happening. I, I was angry then because it it is it's it's. There wasn't. It was a kid that, for the book, but it was behind the counter. I think it's not like the kid could go into the sh- the shop and just get it off the shelf. So it was, it was for adults. It wasn't wasn't intended for children. And it, it, it's either it's either the fault of the retailer, uh, unless it was a sting operation. But it is. It's I, no. I don't think. Uh, Artist objective. We all. I mean, we we just got done talking about where how we feel about Brian Stelfreeze or Gene Ha. I don't. It 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 bothers me that that someone or a group of someone's could determine that because in their mind it's offensive and obscene. That it must be that way for everybody. And right. that 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 pisses me off beyond belief. Well, we see that today with the book. Bands. Yes, we do. Yep. And and that's even more extreme because at yes. least in Diana's case there was a visual component. A book is just words. Whatever's in your head. Now, yeah. so, so who's it on then? Is it on yeah. the writer or is it on you as the reader? It's like, bro, I just Yeah. No one no one takes ways to cut at this, right? Like like the definition of obscene what you're describing is obscene, right? Now, do I think the definition of obscene should have any legal enforceable use no i don't right like but the definition of scene is offensive rude or shocking right like okay so that that is likely offensive rude or shocking to quite a few people so it sounds obscene i haven't read it so i can't speak to it directly but the way you describe it it sounds obscene to me based on the definition but do i think that that definition should have any weight as to someone's ability to make a living or express themselves or or stay out of prison no i i, I don't when it comes to Art. Now, as you're describing it, it sounds completely unappealing to me. I, I like, yeah, <laughs> like, no, I mean, a, a, a depiction, a depiction of children getting sexually assaulted is there's no, like that to me is repulsive and repugnant, and like I, it, it does leave me wondering why anyone would find that engaging in any way. Like I, like that, I would, I would side eye you. Like it makes me want to side eye you, if, like for why that would entertain you. Like I don't, that that's really hard for me to fathom, but. But that said, for, again, I think there's a difference between whether I'm going to be like you're out of your mind for thinking that's interesting to that I think the dude should go to prison. I think they're very different things. So I think people should be able to express themselves in any way that doesn't do harm to other people, even if I may personally think it makes them batshit crazy. So um, that's right. kind of where I stand on this. Like, I this sounds completely unappealing and, and beyond like it's not for me, more like I don't. I would be I would definitely wonder what someone finds appealing about that and what it says about them. But that being said, again, like to be clear, I mean, um, you know, we have all talked very well. I I don't remember Daph's stance on it, but you and I have talked very much positively about like Red Room. And that's incredibly gory, uh, explicit torture porn. Right. So like. I'm not trying to take like moral high ground here, but there are certain, everyone has different levers. And we've talked yeah. about this before, like killing at, like when you s- start talking about the depiction of children being hurt, tortured, sexually assaulted, like that is just repugnant to me. Like I don't, 
Well, that's exactly why take, he did it. No, I understand. But I'm saying yeah. I, I personally can take the value in that to the point where I wouldn't want to hang out with this guy. Like, I'd be like, this guy's fucked up. I don't like. But again, that is very different than me thinking he doesn't have a right to do it. And I certainly don't think he should right. be persecuted by the law for it. That's all. So, yeah. But there, I mean, so you, you take a book that was published maybe four years, maybe more prior to um, Boiled Angel, and it's Faust. Yep. Which is a, a collection is in the, um, this month's previews. Yeah, and I don't remember much, I mean, because they were smart enough to publish the issues bagged, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and with that that really cool uh, half-cover flap over some parts of the, the cover. That, body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't remember Faust or, or Quinn and Vigil ever having the kind of legal troubles that Mike Diana did. And you nope. can find a lot of stuff in Faust that runs tandem to the stuff that's in Boiled Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I guess it's another one of those depictions of um, the the Mike Diana's visual style is offensive. It's mm-hmm. his. It's rough. It's scratchy. It's exaggerated. I mean, the the children look like homunculi. They don't look like babies, but they're supposed to be babies, right? Mm-hmm. It's it, it it's almost it, it is. It's it's outsider art filtered through a very grotesque. Um, dark lens, and it's mm-hmm. it's scary. I can understand this his artwork scaring someone, even the non-explicit stuff, um, challenging a person's sensibility. So I think he was working from. I mean, that was a layer of of repulsiveness on the top. Then you get the subject matter. Which yeah, um, it, it it goes there, and and the the stuff that I'm attracted to in his books, not so much the the events themselves, but the fact that he had the balls to do it. Mm-hmm. That to me is like you 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 have a weapon in your hand, and it's artistic expression, and you chose to wield it like this. Like that fascinates me. Where um, Quinn and Vigil stuff is is elegant. It's also repulsive and disturbing, but there's an elegance to it. There's no elegance in, mm-hmm. in, in Diana's work. It is back alley, you know, dead carcass, um, maggots, all that stuff. And that is, uh, do I, I, you know, you know me, I'm not, I don't enjoy seeing children, th- but they're not children. They're just lines in, 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 in the shape of children. So I'm more concerned with the fact that he had the gumption and the 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 brassery, I guess, the brass balls to just do it and and just purge whatever it is. Yeah, I got a question, but I, I mean, I've talked to the guy; he didn't seem too far off. Uh, not, no more so than myself. I don't know what that says to be to you or whatever, but um, I, I just I admire the fact that he had something he wanted to commit to paper, and he did it. Yeah, he got a it's whole lot of trouble for it, but yeah, I mean, that's a badge well, of honor. Well, the only the only artist in America ever to be con- convicted for obscenity, I would I would get patches made of that and put it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't I don't know if you've, you know, I'm sure you noticed, but but uh, um, Serrano, um, this not like a month or two ago, actually met with the Pope, and. Um, 
and, and the Pope blessed him. And I'm thinking like, what's that worth? You know, that, that does, what's that? What's that worth? What? That some man well, to waved him. everything. Serrano's a, a lifelong Catholic. Well, there you go. No, so that's my point. Now, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, Andre Serrano is he 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 did a series of of art pieces, but most famously, Piss Christ, which was yeah. uh, uh, it, it was no, I'm not telling for the audience. I'm sure a lot of people don't know who, who we're talking about. Um, and and this is back in the '80s, and and it was a, a depiction of 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 Christ on the crucifix, very common depiction, uh, submerged in a, a substance which then became understood as to be Serrano's own urine, and. It was just at the time, like wildly incendiary, like everybody wanted this guy, you know, you know, brought up an effigy and just just there's just so much hate for him. And I, I shudder to think what it would be like in today's world with social media, but because it was all pre-social media. But anyway, um, and at the time, Serrano was like, I didn't mean anything by it. Like, I'm a I'm a lifelong Catholic. Like, I, I'm not this was not meant to be blasphemous. Whether that was true or not, or he was being cheeky, I don't know. But I did find it interesting because I remember a few months ago. That uh, like I said, he and a bunch of other alternative artists met with the, the current pope at the Vatican to basically accept that the idea of supporting art should be very open and broad. It should, and and I bring it up because, I mean, one could argue, I think, quite credibly, that few few human institutions on the planet have ever been more supportive of art than the Vatican. Um, the Vatican itself is full of art. It's arguably the greatest museum in the world. Certainly one of the, if not, you don't, if you don't want to say it's the best, it's certainly one of the best. Uh, and it's all, you know, basically non, non Italian Renaissance art. It's, it's art from all over the world. But anyway, but it's, it's certainly to have the Pope bring people like Serrano and a bunch of other very alternative edgy artists in and say, no, supporting art is supporting art. Like I, I think you should have the right to make the art, you know, without any repercussion, like that's pretty amazing. Like, I mean, and again, like I don't put any, like the Pope doesn't mean anything to me. Like he, he's not, he's not a, uh, you know, a, a, a figure of uh, importance or leadership to me, but he is still the titular, you know, voice of, of the largest religion in the world. And a lot of people do view the Pope as like an incredibly important voice. And for this guy to bring in someone like Serrano, with piss Christ and say, not only like, okay, cool. But like, no, nah, I mean, you should have the right to make this stuff and I'm cool with it. Like that is my point being like the world does evolve in what we consider tolerable and intolerable. Like it goes both ways. Right. Right. And I think in my perfect world, we would continue to evolve where things are tolerable. And on an individual basis, if anything doesn't work for you, Hey, that's you. Like, everyone has just as much right to find something unappealing as they do appealing. Like I'm, I, I don't feel like it's my place to tell someone what they should like just as much as what they shouldn't like. But, but I think that like, we do have to remember that like times do change or like, think of all the, we talk about this all the time. Like think of all the things in like stand up comedy acts that we like, we laughed at at different points of our lives that now would like be completely untenable. Like, like, like Eddie, like, like we've talked about, like Eddie Murphy couldn't do raw in today's day and age. Like you couldn't make that. Like, yeah, it but, just wouldn't be. Right. Wouldn't it's, be it's, it's not appropriate, but it's still funny. No, no, no. But that's my point. Like, right. so, so, so the, the, but, but that tapestry of what's acceptable and not on some moral level or society all the time. Right. Like, I mean, Christ, our country exists because of that. Right. Like, because people wanted to, things and they weren't allowed to believe them in where they were so they came here like you know but then the irony is then we ransacked all the indigenous people who lived here to, to like have those like it's like there you the go just an, 
the world is an ugly, complicated place. And so, again, like all I can say is this doesn't sound in anything I'd be interested in reading, but I absolutely think he should have the right to make it. People should have the right to read it if they want, and he should suffer no consequences of it. Well, there you go. Right, right. And, and I'm on the page with you there. Um, from from my perspective, if, if you're S.H.I.E.L.D., and we all carry him uh, for whatever reasons, uh, religious, political, um, moral, whatever, if your S.H.I.E.L.D. is dinged or broken by something that is make-believe – then uh, I got a question, you know. Uh, you, you you have to wonder that number one is it worth carrying that shield? Number one to begin with, but also y- your sensibilities are 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 harmed that easily. I think you need to examine them, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, Where, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I just don't think that a person should be in fear of expressing themselves. Because of uh, social or whatever uh, ramifications, though, I got to admit the the Vatican is much more progressive now than it's ever been. Like, look at the whole uh, Grush um, testimony. Like, the Vatican had admitted they 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 leave the door open for possibility of of beings other than ourselves existing in this world. They were burning women. A couple of a hundred years ago, burning women at the stake for fear yeah. of them being witches, and now they're admitting that okay, yeah, it's fine to to believe that God has created a multitude of life forms, not necessarily in His image, but just created. So yeah, we get it. It's that's wonderful. But I still I think they have a lot to atone for for all those friggin' holy wars. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I just uh, it, there's not many things that that come across my field of vision that incite me to the point of 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 i guess action i i'm not in love with the content of boiled angel but i am in love with the message of it mm-hmm. and uh i i i have these issues and and i wouldn't wouldn't trade them for anything uh would i show no. them would i show them to my wife and kids <laughs> right yeah yeah i would and i would just Stress the the notion that none of this exists other than on this little this little pulpy medium here. So, you, you know, you either take it or or you don't. Process it or walk away. I don't know, but I I I, I don't think that lives should be ruined for the sake of artistic expression, or because of artistic there. expression. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. Big facts. Yeah, huge facts. All right. Do we have anything else before, Massive facts. before we move the F on? No, that was a good discussion. Uh, oh, it was absolutely a good discussion. What do you think of running book two, number three, Vince? Oof. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> 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 well, these are very perilous waters for me. Uh-huh. Be- because, yeah. Um... <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I so will funny. say that Frank can do no wrong in my mind. Whatever yeah. Frank wants to write, Frank right. Frank writes. Living his best life. No matter how many times Frank wants to write it on the same page. Yeah, right? that's 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 the problem. <laughs> um, for for everyone who's playing at home, um, 
Ronin book two is a continuation of, of Frank's masterwork, uh, Ronin. Uh, and it's where, where the, the lens of the first Ronin was macro. It encompassed the world and how it worked and the characters in it. Ronin book two is very much micro where it's it's Billy and and um his mom Casey, Casey and and the uh the revived reconstruction reconstructed reborn uh warrior uh from the the original uh it's the, I think the artist. See, this is this is a cop out. You just can't. You are incapable of saying that Frank Miller made a bad comic book. Like you just cannot. Well, it's cannot come out of your mouth. It's not bad per se. It's just it. it uh, Philip. Philip. <sighs> I think Tan's artwork is spectacular. The art. The art is Frank. You love the Tan. K- K- yeah. No, but Casey. Casey is. She has a vision on the page, but uh, it's it is. I I do like the art a lot. Um, I just yeah, it's 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 a beautiful and coherent. Ma- I don't. I know he's he's coming back. He's he's supposedly drawing the fourth issue. Frank Frank is yeah. It's in previews. Damn. Uh, he's either. It's either the next issue or the issue after, but yes, he is writing and drawing um, that issue. It says according to previews, but I don't know if that means it's a continuation of this issue or if it's just someone. Um, because even in the back matter, you get back matter in the in the third issue, and you get Frank's pencils for his layouts, and it it's not it's not bad at all. I like no, I like these roughs. It's, yeah, because it, the roughs are not too far removed from his finished these right, days. But it, well, they, but it looks better than I think what the mini comics from DK three gave us. Again, I know the colors didn't yeah. help at all, but I or or his recent uh, new covers for some of the Marvel books that that, that he's got coming yeah, out. I, I think, blame I Alex Sinclair for that. I don't sure. Think, yeah, I don't think I don't. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, so the layouts, the breakdowns were really nice, but no, I mean Tan, Tan's are Tan and uh, Henrique's. They're, they're doing a great job of making pretty pictures out of whatever Frank is writing, and that's it's. Yeah. I, I there's just, it's I. Listen, I'm I'm buying it. It's it's you know it's a no brainer. Yeah, you are. I am, and 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 you know, listen, I'm. I'm a comic book fan. I've been a sucker many times over, and and I have. I that to, dude, we should get. Can we get T-shirts for that and wear it to New York? That's what I feel like being a comic book fan is like. We get duped a lot. <laughs> You're like, okay, there we go again. <laughs> oh, back at it. Uh, I just, but I, I think so. I'm I'm reading it as the issues come out, but because the issues come out, so I mean, it, I don't want to say infrequently, like they're behind schedule. It's a bi-monthly-ish book, so it it's. I'm going to reread it when it's done, uh, and just to see if 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 there's you a are? threat. I can kind of yeah, yeah, I, you, can't, you almost have to because I okay. it, it's got to make sense if you get to read it. You know, 
as just a complete story without having to wait uh, to see what's next. I, I, I mean, I haven't forgotten anything that happened in the previous issue because, again, that was just it was it was it was a massive long fight scene, and and it's it's just yes, I don't think even I, I I'd love to see what Frank says about this volume of this series. I just I don't know. I haven't gone looking, but I don't know if anybody has tried to say the story thus far with these three issues we've been shown so far. I don't, I, it's really, it's really difficult. I mean, it's ambiguous. There's a, I think there's a lot of intentional ambiguity in it. And, uh, the last issue, what was it? Three? Yes. It is just Virgo trying to assimilate the Ronin and him fighting back. That's the entire issue. And it's just a a, a one-on-one where like it repeats itself a lot. A lot. A lot. And uh, Which you is know, great for John Workman. I mean, you know, listen. Oh yeah, John players. Workman has a lot of a lot to do in this issue, <laughs> but most of it could be issue. cut and pasted from the previous dialogue balloon. <laughs> no, I I'm not gonna. I I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not you shitting can't. on Frank. I don't. No. You can't. You're not capable. You're incapable like, of it. Okay, <laughs> real talk. Is it? Is it anywhere on a level with the original? No. Oh, come no. on. No, it's not. not. It's no, not. No, it can't. not. It, no, it's not. But it is its it, it is its own thing. And yeah. it's a psychodrama, really. Because you gotta wonder how much of how many of these events are happening in reality. You got an, an AI trying to assimilate a Ronin, like it, it's a mindscape thing. And and it plays out like that. Because I I'm assuming that all of us, if if you, you know, somehow jacked into our 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 thought processes and turning them turn them into audio a lot of it would be repetitive and and redundant and and uh, overused i guess you could say but i i i get it i i i'm i'm enjoying ronin too it's i i would be lying if i said i understood the majority of it if you want me You'd to be admit, lying if you said frank understood the majority of it no i'm sure <laughs> frank understands it Oh yeah, I'm sure. It, it's just that uh, uh, we got to see a got come back, the demon, yep. and it was neat, and it was it was bombastic and huge. Like most of this thing is double page spreads, and they're they're crazy detailed. They're just gorgeous. Um, there's just not there's not a there's whole... not a part. Okay, I mean, real, uh, you're, oh, I already know your answer to me, but I'll, I'll direct this more to Jack then. <laughs> there's not a part of you that isn't sad about this though, because no. I'm I'm sad about it. It makes me sad. Why? Because Frank Miller in his prime was as good, if not better, than anyone to ever do it. And his stuff I know this doesn't this doesn't change the Ronin original Ronin experience. I understand that. But I mean, maybe because I'm getting older, like I do think legacy like I don't know why he would come back and make new comics if he didn't care about his legacy. And because it's not like he's just making these for his own volition and someone's leaking them. Like he's trying to sell them. He's trying to market them. And it hurts my heart. It's, 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 it, it's just, it dilutes the, 
the legacy and and I it would be one thing if he was just making new stuff and it's like oh okay like a band that makes albums you won't listen to them, but you like that's like but he's going back to the well of his sacred things and he's fucking them up and I don't understand what the point of it is like Ronan was so transcendently good and so important and so revelatory I mean you want to tell stories make something new dude cool but like, don't go back to Ronan if this is what you're going to give me. I don't understand it, and I, I'm sure you have a very different opinion of it. But I, for me, it makes me sad. Like I just like on a, an emotional level, seeing Frank both as an a renderer of line work and a storyteller now makes me sad. I don't understand why. Like I, I can't Im- like. This is a guy that always took very immense pride in his work. I don't understand how he can. Unless he's surrounded by yes men, I don't understand how he thinks he's producing work that is worthy of his legacy. And I and I just it, it I'm never going to understand it. Like I, even if I have a chance to sit down and talk about, it, I'm never going to understand it. So. Well, I, I think it's it, this kind of talk runs in tandem with the old argument where, well, uh, this work that came out 40 years ago, you know, it it it, it doesn't live up. To, to to current expectations like it, it can't it never will it, it, so you but can't you can't exp- like if if other people do watchman stories that is a different conversation to me than if alan moore came back and took a paycheck to do a watchman story and it sucked very i think those are like i would have a much i would have a viscerally different reaction to that like right i like the watchman stuff like i know that felt some kind of way a lot of people did I was fine with it because I was because because it was different. I'm like, well, this is just other people like this is almost like mm-hmm. fanfic. I mean, it may be good, it may not be. I don't really care one way or the other. I'll read it if I'm entertained by it. Cool, if not cool. But if if more came back and like dropped a big turd on the legacy that was Watchmen, I'd be like, what the fuck was he thinking? And like that's where I am with Frank. Like again, you Frank wants to give me you know, uh, you know, Zeno uh, Zeno Wars thousand you know some story that i've like had like out of it like cool man like like you do you and maybe i'll read it maybe i won't like but like he's going back to fucking ronin dude like i like i don't like i don't think it's unreasonable i think he expects us to have expectation like i don't think this one thing like oh well that's your fault for having expectation nah dude like he's going back to that well like he is saying this is a continuation of the story that you all love me for so like he is putting that expectation in our heads. So I don't know. Like, I don't see. I don't, I think, I don't think Frank has any expectations. I think think he's just crazy. I don't, I think he's just, he's, he's never starting from DK two. Frank has never cared what the audience has thought or or the audience reaction. He's never, ever, ever considered that you can't do DK two coming off of DK one and actually care what your audience thinks. It's impossible because DK2, and I'll admit it, is nothing even remotely close to the the original that everybody loves so much. So to go in swinging like that, thinking this is what I'm going to do, you cannot have any kind of um, thought as to what the the audience reaction is going to be. You don't have a concern at all. And I think Frank has ran with that for his entire career post- um, DK two, he just doesn't care. Well, let's be fair to this conversation. This is not a new conversation for us. 
I am in the camp of DK2 hurts my heart too. So like, I mean, well, you're, so, you're, you're so crazy this is person. not a new thing with me for Frank. I just think this is further descent into the abyss. Wow. That's a little extreme. Don't you think the abyss? No, I don't. Wow. I don't. But you can't expect an aging creator to walk in the same shoes as they did when they were in their thirties. I can, if he's marketing as Frank Miller presents Ronin volume two. Again, if this was oh, uh, but that's you know, that's your uh, expectation. Is hiring Frank Miller to do a comic, and I'm like, you know, good for Frank. Like he needs, he's maybe he's trying to get a location, his pocket, whatever. You do, you dog. Like it's like when Burn does his comics, or like it's like okay, man, like Burn, you want to do Star Trek comics? Maybe you do you like whatever. But like if Burn's like, yo, I'm coming back in X Men, it's like yo, that better be fucking banging. Like you are the you are the torchbearer of that entire decade of superhero comics. Like that better be fucking on point, or what are you doing going back? And again, if the answer is why he's getting a fat check from Marvel, okay, cool, that's cool too. But Frank Miller ain't getting no fat check for this. This is Fra- Frank's own dime. Frank and Frank and Dio are back in this thing. Like this is, and it's by the way, it's doing horrendously. Like all, I know we don't really care about the business side of it, but like from the business, it's doing horrendously. Like it's not selling at all. No one cares. So like again, it's like what's the point? Like you can't be like, well, he's just doing it for himself. No, if he's doing it for himself, then he would have this as a comic that he made and when he went to cons he'd sell it for 50 bucks a pop because people love frank and they'd love to get him to sign it and put a little headshot and he's he's marketing it it's they have a marketing budget they're doing pr it's in previews like they're doing solicits to stores like he's he's putting effort behind this as a commercial endeavor so like i don't buy for a second that he doesn't care if he doesn't care why is he doing it like what's as an artist why would you do anything you don't care about because he's frank like, and he just needs to create he needs to show everybody else how it's done yeah. Again, like, so if that's what he's trying to do, he's failing miserably, in my opinion. Again, art is subjective. I sincerely hope other people are getting more out of it. I just think it hurts my heart. And and Frank is like the poster boy for that, because plenty of people I've, as their careers have gone, I'm like, eh, it ain't what it used to be. But like, I think Frank is like bastardizing his own legacy. And I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. It. It, may, it makes me so happy that this has affected you as, as it has. <laughs> because <laughs> well, I, I want to see Frank we've teased you we've teased you about DK DK too like I think it's brilliant think, right and that's where we agree to disagree now I, that's fine but like whereas I can understand the debate between DK2 liking it or not like legitimately can understand that the fact that you basically were, were speechless rendered speechless when they <laughs> brought this up is indicative of what I'm getting at like it is other than Frank is your spirit animal and you want to send good karma his way, I think this is an indefensible work. Because right. again, and keep in mind, this because you cannot convince me that he's doing this for his own volition. That's bullshit because the only volition he's caring about is selling it and it ain't working. No one's buying it. Well, you two are buying it, but nobody else is buying it. So like I think classified it. And this is a guy, and this is a guy that anytime he wants to can put four scratch marks on a page that look like Batman and sell it for $5,000 to a collector. That's he amazing. Does it every few months. So dude doesn't need money. It ain't to pay the bills. It ain't for his social security or his health care. And Lord knows he needs a lot of health care from the look of him. It, this is wow. pure ego. You don't need this to go there. This is pure ego. This is ego. You're, this is, I'm, I am 100, I would swear on a, well, I'm not a religious, but I would swear in a court of law on, I would not put my mortgage up that this is about ego. This is his ego, and I don't understand why he why his ego is so insecure 
his ripe old age, given that, again, he can put a scribble of a Batman face on a napkin and sell it for, for five grand. So I don't know why his ego needs to You would say to, about most people, you would say more power to him. If they can get that, then there you go. More power. I would because, again, if I, I you don't ever hear me badmouth his art hustle. I think his art hustle is fascinating. I would not personally be interested in spending for that money for it. But I love that people – like I'm like – that. That's why I'm saying like these are different things to me. Frank wants to tell if he wants to put out a, like like Stan Lee putting out comics in his eighties and then read like if Frank wants to put out a comic like you know Diablo's titty and like it sucks like I don't care he's fucking putting out Ronin like nah dude like no like no, <laughs> Just no, no. this is the best no. yeah no. well you Stop. know what get help in this instance on this particular subject. I'm the classic unreliable narrator. I'm never, ever going to tell you anything other than Frank is a genius and the work is great. I'm incapable of how do I feel about the work? I feel how Mm -hmm. I feel and I'm, I'm, I just feel how I feel. Um, but yeah, I got to put up a front when it comes to Frank because (laughs) next to Alan Moore, he's, he's probably the greatest writer that has ever come out of comics. Agreed. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even argue. Well, I, I mean, I would argue if he was number two, but he's—I mean, he's an all-timer. He's in that is unassailable. He could do fifty other pieces of shit before he dies, and and his place as one of the greatest ever is unassailable. And I, as absolutely. as far as his art style, it's like Frank has a jib um, that has been cut into a perfect shape, and I have the other half of that jib. And whenever he makes art, it just fits so nicely into my jib. If that's even a, an appropriate analogy, the two pieces just meld, and I just jones on Frank's artwork because it's not what it used to be. Of course, he's not the person he used to be, but I I, I just love his art. And many people think ah Frank lowballed it. No, that's just Frank being Frank, and it's the the anatomy may be a little bit wonky or janky. That's just what he wants to do. He's telling you that strict adherence to physical reality is not appropriate because these are comic books this is art art is just an approximation of reality it's not the real thing so why should anatomy follow suit that's just frank he's teaching us jason you should you you don't hear me badmouth him as an artist i like (laughs) i've said it's not for me but i love that he like again he could like Listen, I mean, if we really want to get technical about the art, and we should have Felix on for this, like, because Felix is like the foremost authority on on DK art, uh, you know, Dark Knight art. Um, and, and again, I think we've talked about this over the years, I'm sure, before. But but there's a lot of credible people that think he drew, he very he drew very little of D, of DKR. Like he 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 drew pieces of it, and most of it was not drawn by him. Like it it like Frank well, is who a, drew it? As a, Jansen? Uh, yeah, Yantzman and, and, and the Varley colors and stuff. Yeah, like it's a, it's a lot of people nah. believe there's very little Frank Miller line work on nah, a lot of the pages. No. Nah, nah. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nah. And these Cla- are, I mean, our Klaus is nowhere back. near that good. Sorry. Uh, again, I'm like, this is kind of Felix and I'm talking about. My point is there's lots of DKR art that is highly controversial of how much it touched it. But, the, but the, being like Frank is a illustrator is its own thing. Frank is a in totality storyteller and creative force is unassailable. And that's the part that hurts my heart. Like, don't like, don't go back to the well, dude, you know, like tell new things. No, I get you. And that's as a consumer and a fan. I can understand that reaction. 
Sure. But as an acolyte, I can't have it. <laughs> for for me, I am I, I'm I'm happy to say this does nothing to take away my enjoyment of the original series. So it's not like one depends on I mean obviously yes, this this builds oh, on totally. the first series, I but that. I can sure. still Ronin is Ronin, yeah. So that that's fine. But I am I am not about to spend four figures for four scribbles on a piece of paper. So if this is what I have to do to get some Frank, I'll pay the seven ninety nine, which is finally on the back of the book for this yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I would but, push to, uh, two things for you on that. Why, why, why do you need more Frank? Why can't you just go back and read Ronan again or or something that was good? And two. Frank doesn't care that you give him the eight bucks, right? You're right. Like, that's you're, not no, no, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. Frank doesn't. Frank, Frank's not right. thinking about me. Uh, but it's no. You're right. I can go back and pull off anything off off the shelf, and if I want to read some Frank, I'm. It's it's part of it is a case of where it's weird to say on a reward him for this but it it's if if he wants to put it i mean if he came out with a new sin city series we would probably be checking that out the fact i don't know if it's because this is ronan or because it's it's you know he's just doing the 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 breakdowns for the first few issues but if 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 he wanted to come back and and bring marv out of mothballs i i think a few people although the Xerxes series really didn't probably do all that great <laughs> after 300, but it, it's, it's... Well, there was DKR3. I mean, there was Dark Knight 3, Master Race, right? Which I mean, that was, popular. right, which, which which was mostly Azarello and Kubert, but yeah. it, it was... It, 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 the Frank was attached to it. So, I mean, and, and we went through that, too. So, I mean, again, it's just, listen, if, if, if Frank wants to... Frank's pretty much... Because it's not like I'm, I'm not going out of my way to pick up anything that Burns doing these days. Moore's not doing anything uh, except for some prose work here and there. So it's, it's it's I can as as somebody who was buying and reading the stuff when he was in his prime of the stuff he was doing off the shelf, seeing someone like Frank, seeing Frank still trying to get it, then I can oh, he's not I can trying. support that. He's doing. Say it. again. He's not no, trying. he is. He is he's doing. doing it. It. He's he's doing. It. I mean, the proof is right here. We got the issue in our front of us. But however, you know, you feel about it is one thing. But it is. I. It, it's. If it's there, I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll go for it. I have. I'm not. You know, if if this was if this was a decade ago, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm not swinging eight bucks for a Frank book that you know. I'm right, not. But it's, right. I mean, I'm. Right well, now, bags now. You're a man of I'm, you're a man of heat. <laughs> I'm okay with so, my station where I'm just like, listen, I can I, I can throw yeah, this check this way. He doesn't, but it it's you ten bucks and plows out your ass on the street. You that, know? That's true. You're right. I it, would cut something else to pay for this. Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. and and Lord knows. I mean, and I probably have uh, known. Yeah, looking at the past few months of my orders, but it it's just no. I it's also. It was an experiment. I wanted to see. I, I Frank's back, and 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 it's 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 he's, he's going back to the well for for a story he told back in the eighties. What the hell? I'm like, why not? I just yeah. 
I have to be careful when I bring an issue of, of Ronin Book 2 home because you guys saw Pulp Fiction, right? You know the yeah. suitcase? You open the yeah. suitcase and the light oh. just shines oh. out of it. When when I have the Ronin Book 2 issue in my bag, the light is just streaming out of the book. It's blinding people. And then I bring it home and I open it up in the kitchen. I don't even have to have a light on in the house. Man, what a, what a halcyon time for you. Al- aliens are real. UFOs are real, and Frank Miller's making comics again. Like you just—it's it's my universe. You're all just living in it. it's true. It's true. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, all right, everybody. Hey, this episode, as usual, has been brought to you by who? CheapGraphicNovels.com. Proof is in the pudding and in the name. If you go to the site, look around, you will see that the prices are much lower, much lower, 10, 20, 30, 40% lower than what you can get on Amazon. And place your order, receive an email confirmation, respond like a human being to the email confirmation saying, Hey, Max, you know what? 11 o'clock comics told me you were the bomb. That's why I ordered. And now I'm glad. And they will say, well, thank you so much for ordering. Here is a voucher or a code or something. I don't even know how it works. For free shipping on your second order or your next order. It's amazing. Free shipping. It's the best thing in the world. Cheapgraphicnovels.com. And if you are so kind, check out our Patreon page. There's going to be a big shakeup soon. We're rejiggering the Patreon Patreon structure. And uh, we'll let you in on that when it happens. But for right now, just so you could say, I knew it when, but this is awesome. Um, Patreon.com. That's a shitty selling point, isn't it? Pa- <laughs> Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe. Take a look around. Audio, video. Sometimes five six hours of extra audio a month that mm-hmm. the regular listeners don't get jason Three does videos came at them today yeah jason does these videos where he walks you he grabs you by the hand his little tender manicured hand grabs yours and takes you through the previews but all Dude, of it was a weird it was weird going no 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 image preview i, yeah. I did an image video but i had to i had to do it off the laptop screen because it's a little strange yeah but uh takes you through the previews catalogs all of them and uh we have images you have downloads you could download vintage fanzines as they were published in the wild way back when dap does this awesome page rate where you get a page of a comic a day it's something to look forward to right yeah what and what's we'll give happening them a little tease we'll give them a little tease we're gonna when we rejigger there's a good chance that there will be some behind the patreon podcast content on a regular basis yeah yeah it's just a smart thing to do yep yeah so just stay tuned it's gonna it's gonna blow up you are if you're an existing patron you're you're not don't we're not doing you wrong this isn't like disney throwing a 27 percent price hike at you that ain't happening we're no whatever you got now you're getting at least that and more it's not like we're we're doing you dirty raising prices but we're gonna try and you know level set the tiers offer some new things to people that maybe you know aren't into the slack but want to support us, you know, we're going to try and, you know, yeah. we're going to try and uh, liven things up. It's we're, we're past the five year anniversary and it's been awesome, but uh, we feel like it's, it's certainly overdue for a, a refresh, just to sort of right. level set everything. Like Jason says, if you're an existing patron, we appreciate you and we're going to show you that, right? Yes. So there you go. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. In your travels, I want you to read now, um, full disclosure, the back of this book features a pull quote from none other than Jason Wood. 
Yes, it does. Yes, sir. But do not let that dissuade you from reading this, because (laughs) because it's really good. It is um, written by Matt Kuhn, art by Gonzalo Ruggieri, and lettered by Noah Noah Ray. It is called Metal Eagle. And it's awesome. It was so much fun. It answers the question, what if your favorite heavy metal band were secretly um, undercover agents? Secret operatives. Yep. Yeah, and it's just it's just great. It 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 doesn't stretch the membrane at all. It's just wonderfully fun, really cool uh, escapades of a heavy metal band um, who are. It's not to say a heavy metal band posing as undercover agents. They're both. They're a heavy metal band. They they fulfill the bill in that respect. They play the shows and the music. They got the fans. So on the surface, they're a heavy metal band. Encompassing everything that a heavy metal band encompasses. But underneath the surface are also secret agents. And it's really neat. Uh, I don't know where this Gonzalo Ruggieri came from, but I absolutely love this art. Totally agree. Yeah, it is loose and gestural and fluid. And the the colors are organic. Like all of it's organic. There, there's not a hard line in the in the joint. Everything like he has a uh, an affinity for the beautiful thicks and thins of of the uh, the line work, the pressure. It's just great. Uh, the thing I like, one of the things I like most about it is they clipped all of the corners on the panels and they rounded them, so the panel lines whether horizontal horizontal or vertical don't meet in a corner in fact the black line doesn't encompass the curve of the corners i think that's a really cool way to to encompass the panels i love it it's just a really good book and it is um what who's the publisher i mean i know these guys matt did it himself but is there a publishing company on this i don't see one well it's matt's self-published but he has a, he and I'm for, he has a um like he has there is a publisher that he owns uh ageless press yeah ageless press right right because there's no stamp there's no logo or anything in the corner or, yeah or there's no it's uh, matt it's matt and i think he is a partner but it's i mean he's he puts these out via but the publisher but i think it's it's eight yeah ageless press is and it's name. vintage right it's early 90s so the 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 second issue the the first issue the the mission is called for those about to rock <laughs> we we salute you matt we salute you uh but the second one is called uh mission two and it's going to berlin and their tour bus looks to have smashed through the berlin wall and the band is all standing on and sitting on the Berlin Wall. It is a really strong, great, great image. Oh, and let let us not forget that there's a backup story called Bridge Over Trouble Water. See, every episode is a song title, right? Uh, which is illustrated by Wilson Gandolfo. And it, it tells a little bit of backstory on how uh, a character... What what they did before they became a member of Metal Eagle, really cool, Metal Eagle. Yeah, it was. It's really. I mean, Matt's done some fun stuff before, but this is 
This was awesome. Really, right, right up my alley. So. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yep. I just, I just have to question that pull quote on the back, though. Like, it's a masterful quote. I mean, is it though? <laughs> yeah, it really is. He was overjoyed when I gave it to him. So nice. Well, he's young. <laughs> and you notice I didn't, I didn't like. It wasn't just like Jason Wood. I, I mean, I, I dapped up the show. I mean, it was. You know, well, why wouldn't you? It's in your best interest to do. I'm so. saying so. At least give me that credit. I mean, no, that's good. Out. No, it does say. <laughs> The, the, it's not it like doesn't... I wasn't going into business for myself. Like it's not like this isn't like WWE. I'm not Charlotte Flair. You know what I mean? It's like just a yeah, co-host yeah. of Eleven O'clock Comics podcast. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. yeah, I can read the quote to you, people, if you want to hear it. But I, <laughs> I, 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 I should buy the book. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you want to read it, go buy the book. It's really, really well done. The quote is well done, but so is the book. Yeah. No. <laughs> <sighs> Who doesn't love metal? Ne'er do wells. LSD. It's come on. That's the part that that floors me. It's a it's it's a metal book, and there's a pull quote from Jason. Right? <laughs> you would think it would be like Yo Yo MTV Raps or something. But, I mean, listen, yeah, I, appreciate, the cribs. I appreciate. Yeah. Your work. I mean, <laughs> Doctor like, Dre endorses this. You would this. never see a pull quote on Ronan from me, but you know, well, metal. You go hell yeah. See, no, that's because Frank's waiting for the pull quote from Vince. You got no. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to get all. all oh, and 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 for those wondering. I got confirmation today that uh, that uh, Mitch your commission. So, so wait, you're back. You're off high artist. Oh no, no this no, is the one no, you ordered. No, like bro, no, no, no. Four We're years in the forty making. months and counting. Oh God! <laughs> Again, you better open it up in the light. Should just brilliantly illuminate the room because it better go there. It better not be a a Brian Bolin thing. Dude, I literally have a screenshot of him saying, I will get it done before San Diego. I promise. And San Diego was a week and a half ago. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, my God. But he he did confirm that it's coming. Oh, like a hundred times. Oh, so how much faith can you put in this latest one? Precisely. I Listen, I love that. Mitch. He's a great guy. He's a friend of a friend. He's obviously super close with Tom. Tom's our friend. We've had a few social interactions with Mitch. He's a good guy by all accounts, but you know, there's just a professionalism that ain't there, and it's it's frustrating. Yes. Anyway, please continue, David. Tell it'll us. It'll be you're... it'll it'll you know it'll be it'll be a great day because you'll be you'll be coming home after Holden graduates and. <laughs> Coming home to seeing this piece of art waiting for you in the mailbox, hey. man. That's going to be amazing. Word up. I mean, graduate college at that, but I, oh, so I'm, we're at eight years, eight years of counting. Okay, yes. Cool. Uh, we have. Um, I, I, I'm not going to go too deep into this because I haven't finished it yet. I've, I'm, I'm taking my time. The second volume uh, was solicited last month. Dark Horse is doing some beautiful work here with the. Uh, this Richard Corbin library. It, it is uh, Murky World is I've seen some here and there over the years, but I mean, I've never read like chunks of Murky World at a time. Uh, this is this is just this is nice to have. It it really is. If you're a Corbin fan, I mean, it's it's a given, but it's just the production quality i mean yeah the 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 spot varnish on on the dust jacket but there's a nice nice full color full edge to edge uh image on 
the hardcover itself, the front cover. Uh, I just head over to, to Chief Graphic Novels and and pick this volume up and get ready for for upcoming volumes. Um, I I'm just kind of taking my time and and taking in each page because. The man knows how to illustrate a story. It's it's just I mean, that's not that's not news. That's not and it's that's such an understatement. That's, it is. It's so, an understatement. I mean, yeah, it's not even. I but it is. It, I just I don't. I it, it the work speaks for itself is what I'm saying. Just just in your travels, go out, get Mercury World, get the next volume, and I believe Vince has said that there's about four altogether when all is said and done. So no, there's there's four volumes of Den. But oh, okay. I, yeah, so Murky World doesn't count. Right. And I'm I'm thinking Dark Horse is just gonna run with it. Whatever they get the go ahead to, to reproduce, they're going to. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. there's a ton of stuff that uh f- falls outside the boundaries of Den. So great. And I don't and it doesn't look like it doesn't look like the Lines are numbered or anything, unless I mean the dens probably will be, but uh, Mercury World isn't because it's probably the only thing. Yes, uh, one uh, right. So, um, and yeah. I don't, I don't know where Mutant World's going to fall in that because they just reproduced. There was a Kickstarter a while back, maybe a year or so ago, for a, a Mutant World. So I don't know if Dark Horse is going to do that, but I'm hoping that everything other than that is fair game. And uh, it's been way too long. I mean, yeah, coming from the guy that has every freaking thing that yeah. Corbin ever published, um, I'm still buying the new editions, but there's been far too much time between when that stuff was available and now. The, like the uh, Arabian Nights things, the book will, will turn your head around. It is so good. Mutant World, was that written by Jan? A lot of uh, stuff with Stranad, Stranad, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, is it is is maybe that a reason why maybe Mutant World? I don't know. Went to Kickstarter. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I will say this though, you underplayed it a little, and I get it. But yep. next to Jack Kirby, you're going to be buying the greatest comic book artist of all time. Jack Kirby, then Richard Corbin. I don't care what you think. That's what I I think. So if you want to buy stuff by almost the best, like if Kirby never existed, Corbin would be the greatest comic book artist of all time. Um, there you go. Go buy this. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, I there's probably yeah, pff, people go oh, Corbin. Who the hell's Corbin? Um, I you don't know him. Don't care if you do. But those who know Mobius, do you ever read the the quote that Mobius? Um, bestowed upon Richard Corbin. It's, Google it's it right here. It's, yeah, it's it's right in the introduction from uh, that Mike Mignola wrote. Uh, Richard Corbin's. You want me to read it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Richard Corbin stands among us like an extraterrestrial peak. He has sat in his throne for a long time above the moving and multicolored field of world comics, like an effigy of the leader, a strange monolith, a sublime visitor, a solitary enigma. Boom. John Gerard with the quote, damn. Boom. Straight from the mouth of Mobius. You're going to argue with Mobius? Of, no. Right? Right? Conceptual continuity. This is beautiful because 
my inner travels is a video i want people to watch oh nice so i posted this i posted this on the slack a week ago don't know if y'all have seen it i assume you probably own it that's for all i know but um our buddy felix lou rare, like he very rarely does his podcast these days but uh but when he does it's usually very cool and 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 i think this was the first actual episode of this year believe it or not but felix lou comic art podcast he had ken viola on um and that name, I, I suspect for most people listening, doesn't ring a bell, and that's fine. But Ken is just one of those guys that's like he was in comics at the in the in the heyday, and uh, and was deep into it, and had the good fortune of 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 becoming close personal friends with a lot of the great creators of the time. Um, you know, including you know Steve Ditko. He's one of the few people that went and hung out with Ditko at his apartment many times. Anyway, point is, uh, Felix had a great conversation with Ken about. Uh, about his life in comics. But as part of that, the discussion was this 1987 documentary that Ken made when he was uh, steeped in this stuff called The Masters of Comic Book Art. And as I'm hearing him talk about it, I'm like, wow, this sounds fascinating because over a period of months, Ken, who was in his early 20s at the time, I'm guessing, um, leveraged his friendships and interviewed like the all-time greats about the craft and put together a DVD, well, videotape DVD at the time, um, and released it as a documentary. And I was like, man, this would be great to see, you know, again, it's not something that's like streamable. So I looked and, and fortunately, uh, or you can't buy it. Like I couldn't find a copy, but, but then I went on YouTube and, you know, YouTube is pretty cool. Um, there are copy, like there are, the, the documentary is freely available on, on, uh, on YouTube. So I posted a link. If you want to find it, um, and you're not a part of our Facebook group because I posted it there or our Slack, just Google or go to YouTube and search for masters of comic book art documentary and it'll come up. Um, there's a couple different versions, but anyway, it's an hour long. It's pretty tight. It's an hour long documentary, but dude, it's absolutely bananas. Like if you are a fan of that era and who isn't at least among us, um, it is like, I didn't like, I cannot explain how amazing it was to see. First of all, <laughs> It's narrated by Harlan fucking Ellison. And like it's like Ellison's in like a fly ass like lounge suit. And it's it, he's he's filming it from his apartment in his library. And he's like showing you his personal library of books and comics and art books. And Ellison introduces each of the artist's interviews. And then we get these little edited I would say they're between five and 10 minutes, depending on which artists uh, chat, you know, I assume there were probably hours of chat that, that, that can boil down to kind of like the, the key hit hits. Uh, I'd love to see the unedited stuff someday, but, um, and the artists involved were Eisner, Kurtzman, Kirby, Ditko, Adams, Neil Adams, Wrightson, Mobius, Miller, Sim and Spiegelman. And he's got sit down interviews with all these guys, and like it's awesome to see. And the other cool thing is, if you're a fan of these creators, you get glimpses of them that are like on brand. For example, Ditko. You don't see Ditko. Mm -hmm. Ditko reads a essay he wrote about heroes and morality, uh, and it's a long essay, and it's just Ditko narrating his own essay, and you follow along the written word as he's holding the essay up, like, but you don't see Ditko. Um, Miller. Because speaking of like it's I mean, Frank is young and handsome and energetic. And he actually 
to the point of this of this perfect perfect time to mention this, he speaks for the most part because this is eighty seven about Ronan and how transcendently amazing it was to get that experience to do that and have total creative freedom and so forth and so on. So, um, you know, just just fascinating, like just seeing each of these guys. Like Dave Sim was a handsome dude, and like mm. he's like he's like in a dope suit and he's got like these these sunglasses on and like he's young. It's just crazy to see some of these guys in their much younger forms um talking about the craft you know um i just thought it was absolutely adorable and 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 it was an hour it's only an hour so it's not like sit there and have to watch five hours of it it's just an hour and um i've just highly recommend it to anybody that anybody that listens to our podcast i think you'd take great pleasure in watching this uh yeah it's, just, yeah, it's it's great it really is so and it's on the best channel ever youtube exactly yeah so masters of comic book art and then just a quick addendum to this um Please make sure you go and see in the theater. You see what? Please, please see what? Please, please. I, we the didn't. Movie. Oh, we didn't hear you because you broke up. Oh, the new. Hmm. Um, it is awesome, and it's one of those things where, uh, if you're the characters from any point, whether it be the comics or the '80s cartoon or the '90s. You, there's something in there for you. And then, but it's also totally modernized, you know, like uh, the character designs are, are different. The animation styles, I've never seen anything like that in a film. The animation style is super neat. Um, you know, uh, it's just, it was just a blast. And it's one of those things where my wife has absolutely no experience with turtles. Like she, you know, never at the con. Who's my 14 year old, very little exposure to the turtles. Love the movie. Um, so, you know, Jackson, my, my 18 year old who, you know, loves hip hop, loves Trap Called Quest. Like he loved the movie. So it's just, it's, it's multi-generational, something for everybody. The voice actors are like in tons of amazing voice actors, a lot of cool cameos, just fun, fun movie, man. Like really, really great. I think they killed it. So yeah, check that out. I think the masterstroke is Splinter. Oh, it was all, oh, have you seen it? No, I know who does the voice though. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, go see that. I'm I'm hoping to get there maybe this weekend. I don't know. Fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Uh, but um, I, honestly, I don't have a little musical thing for for David. So we're we're doing this old school. Go to a comic shop, buy some comics, read them, enjoy them. Get on the internets and talk about them. Uh, you don't talk about the stuff you didn't like, but the stuff you did talk up. Love your loved ones. Kiss your pets. And say good night. Eat some good food. Good night. Do da da Oh wait, no, I've already done that. I'm not gonna do that again. I really have nothing, David. Wow. I don't. I didn't have anything queued up. So. Pee wee. Hey. Nice. We tell them you love them. Oh, Tony says you have a real problem with telling people you love them. Yeah, Jason, he did say that. Oh, about me? Yeah, he said, what's up with that? Why why does he have such a a big problem with telling people he loves them? I'm like, I don't know. Because my words mean something. And so, (laughs) I mean. Oh, and ours don't? Well, I don't know. But when I say I love someone, and and, and you two know. When I love someone, I tell you I love you. I'm gonna tell you I love you, but like, 
I love a lot of the people listening to this podcast, but I can't say with good conscience I love all of them. But it's <laughs> so not. Like, See, I think you're going way too far down a road. You, you're just you're just doing a, a a platitude. You're just saying, "Hey, I love oh, you guys." And, and Frank's just making a shit comic to make money, right? Like we all have our way of interpreting the world. Wow, that was welcome to Mean Jason. <laughs> Jesus. So that's that, that's what it is. You can love them, but shit on. No, that's wow. okay. Well, let's just let's just go, David. David, <laughs> tell them you love them. Have you see? So easy for David. He said, mm-hmm. "Being of emotion, he means it. He Every doesn't. Ever, he's not what, singling what, out people and saying, hey, what people should look, take from this is if I've, if people listening have ever been told by me that I love them, then you know I genuinely meant it. Wow. Like Tony, I love you, Tony. I mean, hundred percent, love you with all my heart. I think I know how the people on the Price is Right felt when they got the consolation prizes. Listen, I I think I provide plenty of care and attention and value to our listeners. Yeah, I I agree with that. But the love is something they don't all get. Hmm. Okay. We're out of here. Kids get it. The wifey gets it. Y'all get it. Somehow, for some unknown reason, I don't know why. I don't know why, but you do. Um, I mean, the, me. you know, the 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 sum total. The slackers get it because they're my peoples. I gotta, you know, I gotta like, I gotta have a connection with you to love you. Like love is real. Bye. Come back next time. <laughs> I like y'all a lot, though. Like for real, for real. Oh boy. For real, for real. Out of here. That's it for that one. <laughs>